Hey, y'all, it's time for the Rob Chappelle Show. Back in studio, successful journey to Autism One. We'll give you a little bit of an update on that. Uh, in addition to, uh, let's say, moving beyond that, Fauci's retiring. Uh, what does that really mean? Mental health crisis among college students. Yeah, I would be depressed if I were in college today. Bunches of questions of the day. We'll see how many I can catch up on on uh, free COVID tests for pets in L.A. County. If you can't afford your pets getting COVID tested, go to L.A. County. They'll give them for free. Why? Uh, new guest, Dr. Grayson Dart, joining us in hour two on the Robert Scott Bell Show when we simulcast on Brideon.tv, recommended by our friend Dr. Andy Kaufman. Uh, digital ID for Canadians. Yeah, you know, I'd rather talk about the garden, show you garden pictures. We'll do that too. So, so will Super Don. Thanks for being here. Share the show, robertscabell.com slash listen. There's the chat room. We'll see you there in just a moment. Let's get this healing party started. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. I think I need some uh, super mushroom energy today, Super Don. You got any of that? I've got I've got the daily chill, that super much daily chill. I need the energizing one. I I just got back from Autism One. You got that one there? You think I do? This is the daily energy, and I've got I've got the I've got the you, daily chill. I don't know. In fact, that's even on. I haven't even unsealed that yet, dude. I've been needing the daily chill. I don't need chill. any chill. I need no. I need energy. <laughs> but today I need that. If you took if you take some of that on the air, will I benefit? If you take it right now, the daily energy. Here, See if I'll that'll just, I'll just, pump me I'll up. Just, I'll just that, open, yeah. your, open your uh, mouth. Uh, open your, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. You Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Super Don. Hey, it's good to be back in studio. I, did, I didn't sleep really well or really uh, for a long time while I was on this trip to Autism One. It was a great, great event. Uh, I wish a lot more people would have attended, but the people that were there are just solid as can be and, and really great connections. We had some good. Hey, dude, you got, the, you got the interview. You got to see Lori Harvey, who was there. Yeah, uh, which was really cool getting her on the show. Got to yeah. talk to Brian Hooker, Judy Mikevitz, and then on yeah. Sunday, yeah. Uh, hopefully you guys tuned in because it was all new. We had we had Mo uh, was it Monica Smith from, uh, from Australia, Australia, yeah, yeah. talking about uh, what's going on there um, politically and Dell Bigtree. Yeah, we finally got Dell on for a little yeah. bit. We were all in the same place at the same time, which was nice. And I thought it was a good conversation. I messed up on the microphone selection, but Super Don compensated, so yeah, it worked it's out right. just fine. It's it worked fine. out fine. Yeah. It worked out fine. And that was the Sunday broadcast. And by the way, that Monica Smith, there was a, a online, some Australian skeptic commented on Twitter. It was like, oh, she's lying. I'm like, good Lord, you know? Okay. You want freedom in Australia, there's going <laughs> to be these uh, skeptics in Australia that still have a, have a way with words that really yeah. suck. Let's just say it. <laughs> so... Yeah, I had a great, great weekend. Uh, I don't even know what, what I got to share with you about the weekend, Super D, or even this audience, because it was it was unraveling as as we were there. I mean, it was great to see, obviously, Lori. We got, got had her on the show, our uh, our super supporter as well, former race car driver. You know, we talked about her story, losing her husband to sudden, a sudden cancer, dev devastating scenario. And, and we had a great time together. We got to go out to... Uh, at Picasso's, it was an organic Italian place, and I had, uh, I think I had the Thai dish. That's what I always do. The second night, see, I brought back some lasagna for Judy Mikovich the first night, mm -hmm. and so it was afterwards, after the, the day's events, went back in the in the hotel lobby. There's a little bar seating area, and they were all sitting down, and they were ordering food that I would never eat, 
And I brought Judy this big lasagna from there and like everybody drove in, dove into it. They said, oh, this is great. So the next night I went ahead and got that when I went back to Picasso's, which is great. But then the following night, I, we were like, I want something like more vegetable, uh, veg, maybe even vegetarian. Right? I was just feeling that. And there was this uh, vegan restaurant called Pomegranate in Chandler, Arizona. Now, all organic. And, and I, it sounded familiar to me because I've been to a lot of cities over the many years. And in, in fact, it was. I had eaten there, I don't know how many years ago, on a trip to Phoenix. And it was just as good as I had remembered. And I had this kind of Mexican style dish uh, was kind of tacos. And then somebody else got something. I, I just ate a little bit of everything. I was like, people hide your food. I'm eating yours too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and it was just absolutely. You finish that? Yeah, exactly. Right. And they all know at this point, they watch me eat. You know, I don't eat a lot, but when I eat, I eat. Okay. So I, I had a great time with that. And in fact, that night was really interesting too. Shout out to Aubrey. Uh, if, if you're watching, She's also uh, in Scottsdale. She's terrific. Her family listens from Minnesota and a, a health food store up there in Minnesota. I think not far from Duluth, if my memory serves correct. And she's been a fan of the show for a lot of years. And she's coming up and she's so excited being at Autism One, meeting her. And she's telling me all the things she does because I heard about it from you and Super Don. And she says, I listen to you and Super Don when I'm doing my hikes. And she's like got her earbuds in listening to us. And she starts, she says she laughs and giggles every time we, we go after each other. Uh, which I thought was really fun. <laughs> so we need to, in other words, our marching orders from our fans are, we, you, we need to fight more. We you and need me. to debate more. <laughs> Get into it. So apparently that's a lot of fun for you guys. We've heard that before, uh, but it's genuinely unscripted. We just let loose and, and it happens. Uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, kind of a cool thing because when we, when I get to go out to these events and, and super D, I still hope that one day we'll be able to do maybe the RSB show family reunion. If we do it in Missouri next year, we can plan ahead that we could actually all be there for that if Leslie's really going to host it because it, it was just such a nice thing to get together. And, and the time we were together at autism one years ago, your mm-hmm. wife was there. We had a great time. It was wonderful to see people and people come up and they meet you and they find that you're real. You're not just a figment of their audio <laughs> imagination. Right. And, and so we had this just kind of great experiences. And then at one point on, I think it was Saturday, I met this young man from Mexico and one of our friends at Autism One, Jamie, just got, saw this guy in the hotel. He wasn't doing anything and said, come with me and brought him in to the Autism One conference, a 20 year old guy. And he turns out he's a class A, uh, what we call a baseball player. Yes. For the Oakland A's, their class A team is right there in, mm-hmm. in where, near where we were. And yeah. it was cool. He was saying, yeah, his family had, was just visiting him. He's been in the hotel for six months, pretty much stuck. He didn't have a car. And he was brought in and he went to see one of the doctors speak. And then he got to see Del Bigtree speak. And he was like lit up. Roberto, his name was Robert, just like me. And uh, cool guy, tall guy, pitcher. I was like, I was talking baseball with him. We had a great time. I invited him out to dinner. So he came with us. And Aubrey and Dana and Dana's daughter. It was just a fun time. We went to the um, that vegan restaurant, had a great meal. And just, it was kind of so cool how that happens organically when you're out at these events. You can't say hey this is what i want to have i guess you can say it but i didn't even expect any of that to happen and so i i'm like I, i'm gonna watch this guy's career in in uh in baseball, baseball. Yeah, yeah i mean he might end up in the big leagues one day i think that'd be awesome so shout out to roberto uh there from mexico and i know you have great great time in the winter leagues and be back and doing great things 
And the nice. fact that he was super intelligent and he spoke better English than me. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, that was fun. All right. So there you go. I, I just want to socially open up the show, say I'm here. I might fall asleep during the show unless no, Super Don sprays me with super mush energy. Uh, but we fun, had a lot of good time. Uh, you know, also, again, it was great to hang out with Judy Mikovits. Just every time I hang out with her, just more fun all the time. She's big into IPA. So you know how I drink my IPAs like a little bit at the, at the bottom of the glass. For the non-beer drinkers, yeah. that's an India pale ale. Yeah, and it has the hops. Hops are good. Yeah. And she says it's medicinal. So I probably, you know, was doing, I've, to, I've got my tolerance up a little bit. Uh, so I can do a little bit more. I'm not such a wimp anymore with the IPA. So we have fun with that. And I did my lecture on, on uh, copper. And you know who was in the audience? Dr. Dietrich Klinghart. Dr. Klinghart. And he was really excited about what I presented. And he knew about the importance of copper, but you know, wasn't sure which way to go for his patients. And he said, yeah, contact my you know, person in England. Let's get this going. So they're going to get on the, co- the sovereign copper right away as well. So shout out to Dietrich Klinghart. Brilliant man. Very intelligent. Uh, good guy. I've been known, knowing him for years, but not as a pal per se, but you know, interacted with him from time to time. So we had a good opportunity there. So may the Autism One community continue to grow, not because there's more autism, but because there's more people realizing, as Judy Mikovich said, that all what we're dealing with, a big part of it, is vaccine-induced disease. As she calls it, vaccine AIDS, the destruction of the immune system through various injections, whether you call it a vaccine or an mRNA shot. Every time you bypass the million layers of immunity and do what they're doing, you're going to weaken, not strengthen the immune system. So this is something that you, you ask about, how does this stuff keep getting approved? And on one level, you can go, oh, it's an emergency, it's an emergency. And then you go, the face of emergency is, is this ugly face, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who may be finally leaving the NIAID, as he announced just today or yesterday, uh, that he would be uh, retiring, so to speak, from the uh, NIH, NIAID in December of 2022, not a moment too soon. Now, if he got from there directly go to jail, like in Monopoly games, that would be, I think, justice. I don't know that it'll happen. But Fauci stepping down in December. Biden, of course, praised him. Of course, uh, Rand Paul says he lied under oath, which he has. And I'm just thinking, there, there, for some, you know, we look at this and we say, say something like this, a sentence like this. There is no justice in this world. How many of you have ever thought that? But be honest, obviously it's an exaggeration. There is justice that occurs. But I like to look at justice in terms of eternity. And in that context, it's always done. But it, it doesn't always happen within that one lifetime that you perceive. Maybe you're only one or for those that perceive you have multiple. But whatever. The point is justice is served ultimately. The law of cause and effect is real. And yet the illusion is that you can do anything and get away with it. And that's how they play it out, like at NIH and NIAID. Fauci has this fiefdom that he has, he's reigned over for almost 40 years and basically said, you know, if you want money, you study what I say and nothing else. And if you go outside of the narrative that we want you to stay in that box, you're going to find yourself out of any grant money. And so this guy's controlled the narrative within NIAID and NIH for, for decades. And that's not good for science, if you, if you like science, if you're into science. Science is about really genuinely, let's say you posit something, you, you make a supposition, for instance, you have a hypothesis, and then you test it. But if that hypothesis goes against the narrative, for instance, uh, Professor Peter Duesberg saying, hey, I don't think that you've proven HIV causes AIDS, suddenly every bit of your money dries up. And if it wasn't for him being ten- tenured at Berkeley, he'd be out of, uh, completely out of a job. 
because who would hire him unless there's you know wealthy donors and some wealthy donors have helped fund him over the years but then we go to judy mikovitz and and i asked her uh, i was sitting with her i said hey judy if you know somebody gave you a lot of money to start up your own lab and whatever she's like no i'm done i'm done i've had it i've done that it was so not rewarding at the same time um you know the control over it and everything it's just so not scientific that and i respect and i understand that you've been doing it your whole life and so what do we have to do we got to point out that the so-called science is not science anymore it's political it's economic it's an agenda of depopulation for instance right how and why would any of these shots be uh, approved under emergency use authorization much less any other authorization and we go to our second story of the day and it's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com by the way welcome if you're listening and watching live it's the 22nd of august 2022 two let's see that'd be 8 22 22 yeah i think i think that's how it would read if you're in europe it would be 22 8 22 but the Brownstone Institute article here, uh, Marianne DeMasi writes, the declining standards of FDA drug approvals. If anything, this is an understatement. You know, the standards for drug approvals, of course, they used to involve two, uh, you know, serious clinical trials, double-blind, placebo-controlled tests, everything, before they would let something onto the market. It was a high bar. And then over the time, they're like, well, we don't have enough money to do these tests. Can you figure out a way for, we, for us to get more money? The Fear Death Administration says, give us more money. And so 1992, they had this 1992, this Prescription Drug User Fee Act, PDUFA as it's called. And basically the FDA's operations are kept afloat because of industry fees, which meant that the very industry that is being regulated or supposed to be regulated by the FDA is funding the FDA. Does anybody see that as a maybe conflict of interest? And the, the fees have gone up uh, from 29 million in 93 to almost a billion, 884 million in 2016 on top of whatever the taxpayers are funding in. And all, all it was done to do is like, we need more drugs and we need them faster. And think about this. Back in 1988, 4% of new drugs introduced to the global market were approved first by FDA. 1998, I'm sorry, only 4% of new drugs introduced onto the global market were approved first by FDA. And that rose to 66% by 1998 after the funding structure changed. Now, why? Let's look at these four pathways. This is this is a really good mechanical story too, in that it's helping us to understand what went what went wrong. How did this happen? Why are we at the point where drugs are faster and faster to market, and they approve mRNA injections that are clearly killing hundreds of thousands of people, if not more? The four pathways they list: fast track, priority review, accelerated approval, and breakthrough therapy designation. So, sixty-eight percent of all new drugs are approved by the FDA in these four expedited pathways. Not the old style, two serious clinical trials, double blind placebo control study. No, no, you get all these drugs out fast, 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 fast. And then of course they say, well, as long as you promise to do post-marketing surveillance type studies. Now I want you to think about this consciously and clearly. You're a company that stands to profit to the tune of perhaps billions with a B of dollars, if that still matters before the Federal Reserve note collapses totally. You got this drug rushed out via any one of those four accelerated pathways, and you promised to do post-marketing surveillance studies. Now, much like you've seen how that's working with uh, COVID injections, in the same way you look at these uh, post-marketing surveillance studies on drugs, and it's very rare to get something pulled afterwards. They'll get black, black box warnings sometimes. 
but it usually takes mass consumer revolt or action, or maybe somebody complains to a congressman or a congressman has a family member hurt or killed by one of these accelerated drugs brought to market. And so the price is they get their billions. Many people are injured or get killed. And these drug companies, nothing happens to them for the most part. So you've lowered the bar for approving new drugs. How about the, uh, you know, when we talk about efficacy, what's the measure measurement of efficacy for a drug? It used to be like you had, all right, here's the, here's the, uh, the disease. And you, if you're managing the disease or, or let's say, quote unquote, curing it, they don't say that really, but let's just say that you say, all right, the people on this drug had this much success in getting out of that scenario. Usually it's just a symptom that that, that becomes better. They don't actually cure anything. But when it comes to, for instance, um, vaccination, even though they had to change the, the, the definition of vaccines for mRNA shots, uh, it was, uh, well, you think how many people are protected from getting it? In other words, yep, that's legit. It stopped the incidents and ideally transmission. Now, that's not part of a, a quote unquote, the vaccine definition anymore. But now they do something called surrogate marker outcomes. So it's not about clinical results. It's like, okay, here, let's look at the uh, infant schedule. The infant, they, they remember they put the six month to five year olds and they get an emergency use authorization for that. Why did they actually show reduction of incidence, transmission on and on it goes? No, not even a reduction of severity of symptoms. It was a neutralizing antibody level test. So there was no clinical outcome measuring serious COVID prevention or hospitalization. A surrogate test. We saw this uh, antibody level, neutralizing antibody level. Is that even the thing that that'll do it? No, maybe not. But hey, you get approval. You're authorized. That's a fast track. And remember the controversy of uh, Alzheimer's drugs? We talked about the whole basis for Alzheimer's drugs, lowering beta amyloid uh, plaque or protein levels, which is a surrogate marker that they now find doesn't result in any clinical improvement at all. And uh, one of the FDA advisory members resigned over it, said it's the worst drug approval decision in the history, recent U.S. history. And you guys and gals out there, probably not so much in this audience, are still going, yeah, FDA, go FDA. We need to fund you more. We need to help Rochelle Walensky uh, reorganize the culture of, of CDC. If we only give her more power and money, everything will be solved. I mean, you talk about an insane asylum in which we are living, the United States corporate government. And much of the global governance or attempts at global governance uh, funded into being by the drug industry, dumbing us down, making us sicker and weaker and or those that are profiting from it. The lowered standard of proof, an analysis in the Journal of the American Medical Association found that 44 percent of drugs approved between 2005 and 2012 were supported by surrogate outcomes. And that's now risen to 60 percent. Drugs rush to market that don't even have measurable efficacy other than surrogate markers that may or may not have anything to do in reality with clinical benefit. But let's get those drugs on the market because 20% or more, I don't know how high, has it gone to 30% of the GDP in America is healthcare related, which is not health or there's no care. It's disease creation and disease management. The United States of Drug America, yes, it's alive, but not well. It's sick, it's decrepit, it's degenerating, it's chronically ill. Two pivotal test trials? No, not anymore. Post-authorization studies? Yeah, good luck. And even you think about it, 
the investment of, as we started, into the FDA, the user fees, to find approvals potentially via running trials. How quickly did the FDA learn, especially the higher-ups, learn that the more they approved, the more money they got? You approve this drug, we're going to throw some more money at you. And then the revolving door continued. Does anybody not see that anymore? Is that, is that, I mean, come on, that's pretty clear, isn't it? FDA, the things it approves, and this was true before the Padufa stuff, was responsible for approving that which is causing death and mayhem among millions of people every, every year, arguably. Now at this point, especially since the COVID jabs. But even before that, I've been arguing, what? Well, there's no such thing as an FDA-approved drug deficiency disease. Yet somehow 20% or more of our GDP goes into supplying the American marketplace with toxic poisons for which we have no deficiency to manage diseases that were created largely because of other government-approved, sanctioned, FDA-approved drugs, shots, other interventions. Hospitals are the killing fields, the modern killing fields of the warfare zones that may manifest as hot wars in places like, you know, as we talk about Ukraine, Russia, but in other areas if this keeps going. But the ideal for them is just to weaken and kill us so that we can't even go to battle in defense of our own lives and liberty and property. FDA, disband them. CDC, disband them. I don't want them reorganized. I don't want I, I don't want them at all. And Lord knows if you come to your senses, you may come to the same conclusion. That those alphabet soup oligarchical uh, agencies are anathema to freedom and anathema to your good health. Of course, if you're a college student, you're depressed, you can count on FDA approved medications to be heading your way really fast. Super Don, you and I were talking earlier about this. You know, I've been hearing about people that are going on, you know, missions for their church, various missions for their church, and they're often very depressed, they're lonely, they're anxious, whatever's going on. Maybe they've been vaccinated beforehand, maybe they're not eating clean food, and they're depressed, and they're counseling these people, these kids, into psychiatric medication. Again, how do these, how we do, what are we doing? What is anyone doing? guiding children who are depressed, young people who are depressed into altering, brain-altering their chemistry, toxic poisons, for which there is no, again, evidence of a lack of those substances for their benefit. And like we just saw recently, you know, Mm -hmm. just more confirmation that these antidepressants don't do what it is that they're supposed Mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. You know, with the SSRIs just recently. What would you Uh, say about young people going on SSRIs? Why? Why would they do that? I don't know. It seems lazy to me. I mean, it has all along, but it seems to me that maybe there might be (laughs) some better options there. Let's find out what it is that's causing the depression, maybe. Yeah, that would be a good question. The whole idea of saying it's a chemical imbalance has kind of been turned on its its face, um, on its head. College, mental health crisis, depression cases skyrocket 135%. Well, and you know what? That coincides with a lot of the other research that's been done recently mm-hmm. uh, showing that the, the younger generation is dealing with more depression. And it's not mm-hmm. because they, 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 can't, they want to blame the boomers. It's all your fault. Yeah. But, it, you know, there, there's obviously something going on here. Gen Xers Why? might say, what would we say? 
ropes your life and dirt was on too, it, get over it. Yeah, Come on. your life was yeah. is too easy. And yeah. of course, that's easy for us to say as armchair quarterbacks. But the reality is, life is not designed necessarily to be easy. There, there's certainly the times where things are going well, but the, you know, there are times it's not. And if we look back as old people, <laughs> <laughs> and we say, "I mean, the toughest times in my life." are the most worthwhile. And I look back and I say, well, how did I learn what I learned? How do I know what I know to do what I do today? If it weren't for the difficult times I struggled with for the first 24 years in particular, and even more as I was in an earnest effort to recover from those 24 years of ailments, it was the hard stuff that made the best things happen. Yeah. And, and is it, uh, again, I'm asking the question here. I'm not giving an answer for college kids. Do they feel like it's, it's too hard? Is life too hard. I mean, they'd be given everything. They haven't had to work the fields once in their life. What have they built? What have they repaired? Now, I know these are broad <laughs> generalizations. Granted, yeah. there are individuals in this gate that go, oh, that's not me. Now, what is the depressing thing? I say going to college and learning hashtag woke ideology is depressing. Going to college and learning that everybody's a victim or you're an oppressor. That's depressing. Going to college and having no minerals in your body but toxic poisons that's depressing having ailments yeah. and illnesses i think it's a combination of things honestly you know i don't think it's just one thing you can put your finger on i mean people i i think instinctively want to find that one thing mm-hmm. um as as curly would say that yes. one thing but i i think it's a combination of things i think there's something physically that's going on okay i i think that um you know people have thrown a lot of theories out there it's you know the food that they're eating you know if you think about it when we were young Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of grew up on what it is our parents fed us, and then a lot of the crap came along yeah. when we were younger, yep. and and stuff, right? You know, but but the, the, these new generations, they've they've been having access to the crap from from day one, day one, right? Yeah, right. And yeah. you know, it's I think it's that. I think it's a societal thing too. You know, I think there's um, you know, kids. Uh, I call them kids just because I can now. Mm-hmm. But you know they uh, the way that they were raised, the way that they were uh, um, you know given participation trophies and everything. You know you never lose. You know we can't say that you lose or you got an F. You owe or me. or anything. You know it's like we got to make sure everybody feels included and and stuff. And you can't hurt anybody's feelings. You know so I think what they did was they lost out on the experience of feeling like crap. Mm-hmm. Or losing or failing, right? No, you can't fail. Yeah. We got we're gonna we're gonna graduate you from school anyway, you know, because we don't want you to have hurt your feelings. Is it, but this right? means this means we're a couple of hard ass old men, right? Well, Yelling, get off our you, lawn. No, you know, anybody who knows us knows that yeah. you know when it comes down to the things that really matter, we're not. No, I know. That's just, but you know, I mean, it's just. Uh, and and you're right, Super D. I'm not denying that. It's always to me. It's always an individual thing. It's as we kind of kind of co- say collectivize, but you got to look it overall and say, okay, they came up with these stats. They measured them over a lot of people and said, hey, man, depression have du- depression anxiety rates doubled since 2013. Yeah, but it's like I mean, how, what, what's the definition of depression it, as well? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh, I don't feel. Oh, you must be depressed. Here's a pill. You know, I mean, it's just like, what? You know, you have bad days. You have good days. You have bad days. And on the bad days, you deal with the bad days and get yourself out of a funk. Yeah. And then, and then, and then you have a good day. You know, I mean, but, it's just it just seems pushback, like normal. The pushback on you 
is like you said, it's lazy. And somebody would say, oh, that's just the stigma of it. No, and I I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that are genuinely depressed, but I think the bar has been lowered so low now mm -hmm. that you know the, the term depression, the diagnosis of depression applies to so many people that it shouldn't. Well, you coddle those that are in depression, and then somebody would say, well, just be rough and tumble on him, and then suddenly you see a suicide happen. You go, oh, see, that was wrong. See, That's why that we can't collectivize the response. You do have to be sensitive to what is the reason. There are a wide variety of reasons, but the reasons that I'll talk about are often never part of the mental health assessment in terms of the diet, the lifestyle, access to sunlight, how many other medications are you on. How is your microbiome, by the way? Have you taken a lot of antibiotics? Yeah. But you, where do they hear this stuff? Where do they learn about this stuff? Nobody ever talks about this. The only thing you know, you turn on the TV and start watching TV, and all of a sudden, here comes the commercial. Are you feeling depressed? Yeah. Well, really, what you should be doing is taking this okay. drug. See, I'm happy now that I took the drug. And people look at that and go, damn, all I got to do is take a pill. I'll be happy. Yeah. Hey, doc. And you walk into your doctor, and you know what? More often than not, you know, and I'm not, I'm not condemning all doctors because they're not all this way. But I know people that have gone through this struggle before. Mm -hmm. And you can walk into a doctor and walk out with a friggin' prescription. It's that easy. And you can ask for the drug that you saw on TV. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it it's direct, direct, whoa, hello. <laughs> direct, direct to yeah. consumer uh, advertising. And then they're drugs. targeting, they're targeting subpopulations here. What, like, you know, the kids, or now in this case, they talk about, blacks and asian americans and their their stigma associated with mental health so they we need to target them to get them in and of course that mental health targeting is what drugging them ultimately that's where the profit is in that regard and where is the mission and passion for life that elevates you beyond depression if you're in college and you have no hope for your future i'm gonna look at it that way too mm. you're looking at the future i'm like oh man you guys and gals from previous generation you went to college you came out you had good jobs you got paid well on and on it goes. But that ignores a lot of the socialistic realities of theft by government, the growth of government, causing depression to be an underlying seething rage below everybody, even if they're not consciously aware of it super deep. That idea that, that government tells you what you can keep, not what they take. We have it backwards there. That's part of the depression. It's like if people are eating you out of house and home or government or other entities and you're like, well, you're putting up with it. Because it's like, I can't fight City Hall. It's like, uh, it, it is also adding to the depression. It's like, I don't control my own destiny. And then they come out of college, if, if, if they do, with student loan debt. Certainly in medical school, it's, it's outrageous, but regular colleges. And that's why I said to my kids, I'm not encouraging you to go to college. I'd rather you didn't, but if it feels like it's a passion you need to do. And my son went to a two-year uh, intensive, more of a skills training in, in precision machining. Trade school. Uh, yeah, yeah, and my daughter... We'll see what ends up with her. She's got so many talents in the artistic world. I know. She, it's like, which one? Which one yeah. should I? Yeah. Does she need she college? She has options. No. She's already cool. got offers with her art to do things right now. And she's yeah. a senior in high school. And, and so cool. th that's the other side of depression. It's like, I'm depressed. I got too many choices. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, first said, world problems. Yes. who? Right? <laughs> so I'm sensitive. Yeah. Yes, people who are depressed and bummed. But what I always like to do is find... You know, what is your passion and mission? What are you really here for? And a lot of people will go, oh, well, that's not important because I was taught that I just had to work and work and work and work. And one day I'll have the, you know, the proverbial. Dude, that's how we that's, were brought up, right? That's how we were brought up, yeah. That's how we were yeah. brought up. 
go to go to school, get a degree, yeah. you know, get a good job, you know, and get the the house with the white picket fence and the, the two kids and a dog, and and you've made it. Ta da! Now you will own nothing and like it. Absolutely, so and that's listen, not depressing. A little. This bit? new generation, it's not. You know, I I don't want to sound like a jerk, okay? Because listen, are they dealing with some crap? They are, mm-hmm. you know. But so did we. Every generation has had those 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 things going on in society and in the world and stuff like that that cause like I mean if you think of all the things that we went through as we were growing up and the challenges and and the you know the the, the inflation and the, yeah. so the wars and the the terrorism and the and the you know the earthquakes and, and disasters and, and and all that kind of stuff every generation has that it's just how how did we survive it right how did we go through all that stuff and come out where we are and why is the new generation dealing with those things and instead of dealing with them what are they doing it seems like more when you look on social media and mm-hmm. stuff like that what are what are these like millennials and and these gen z's or what are they doing they're pointing fingers it's your fault yeah. you did it to us do something do something it's like now, shut what... up <laughs> deal with your crap you know pointing now... a finger at somebody and blaming somebody else for your problems doesn't mm-hmm. solve the problem at the end of the day, you still have the problem, and you've tried to make yourself feel better by blaming it on somebody else, but you, you get to still walk around with the problem. You haven't solved anything. You know, pull up your panties and, and, and you know, get, get on it. You know, deal with your life. Go get them, Super D. Her, her. All right. I love that. That was right, beautiful. So get off my lawn. Right? Sorry. No, that was a good thing. Now, I always, you know me, I tend to take it to the spiritual side of things. And granted, everybody's got their own belief about spirituality or religion or dogma, what they believe. But another point is the movement away from that. And that's true. We've covered it so many years in science or scientism, kind of an atheistic view of determinism, whether it be genetic determinism or otherwise. You're a victim of your genes. You're, name your, what you're a victim of. You pointed that out. Pointing somebody else, you're a victim of whatever they did. It's not very empowering. But when you realize on some spiritual level that you're a co-creator of your life, that the very same fear that induces something that you don't like, and you look around and you're like, oh, this sucks, that very same energy you put into that, imagine if you redirect it toward, uh, uh, let's say, what you determine to be a positive outcome. Oh, but that's not realistic, Robert. Da, da, da. You know, one of the things I was talking with our, our, our new friend, Aubrey, uh, about, she was like talking, we were talking about the events coming up, and she's like, oh, I wish I could go to those events. I don't think I can go to those events. And I said, look, and you've heard me say this a million times, I think, at this point. Don't be the obstacle to being where you need to be or to doing what you need to do. And what do I mean by that? That is you set up a belief system of I can't and then fill in the blank. All the manner of excuses. And you could have all the proof in your bank account that says there's no way you can do it. On and on it goes. I don't care. That's not what is really going to provide for you that future that you say you want. Let that go. Recognize the reality of it. Sure, fine. I'm not arguing the math on it, except to say, maybe you ought to put it out to God, spirit, universe. Look, I don't know how I'm going to get to this place. I'd really love to. If it is right for me, if, it, if, if I'm needing to go there, if someone needs me to be there, I will not serve to be the obstacle. I will not be the one that say I can't because I can't afford it. I can't. I'm going to be open to the gifts that are trying to be given unto me that I have no idea what they are. And I'm going to say, I accept them. I don't know what they are, but I'll be open. And so rather than rejecting a gift before you even know it's coming, you go, I'm open to it. Maybe it doesn't come, but maybe that wasn't the right place anyway. You thought it was. Let it go. Move on. Just don't be the obstacle. And you may find that what you thought you wanted to do wasn't what you wanted to do anyway, and something else comes up. 
but by remaining open to the gifts that are positive and uplifting, then suddenly it's like life shifts, even in the midst of all the garbage that we can always point out. And as Super Don rightly says, in any generation, you can always point to things that are going horribly wrong. You're like, how are we going to ever make it? And if we live that way, it's like, what's the point? And then, of course, we come back to the discussion of young people's depression. Have they been taught, whether it be by parents or media, whatever they're exposed to, to look at life as a victim? That they have no control over their life at all and that other people create their scenarios and therefore, what's the point of even trying? If you're, if you're locked into that belief system, I get the depression. I understand it. And there are many people that have been talking about this. I'm not the first, second, or even last, but that's the message, the response message. And as I meet young people who listen to this show, who have grown up on this show, they tend to have a very different outlook. And of course, their parents credit to their parents as well, that they are actively engaged in what we call co-creating their life and recognizing that if they're totally bummed out and angry and depressed, and it creates also an energy, a scenario where you're drawing that into your life as well, where attention goes energy flows batar used to say that all the time as well so young people old people people in between where are you at how are you dealing with depression if you have it or with others how are you helping them out of it for some it's again it's a spiritual revival for some it's eating better for some it's exercising and all of the above any number of those things they compound and, and build up one versus all the things that compound and degrade us where are you focusing your attention where are you getting the news where are you getting your news? And if you like what you're getting here and you're getting the newsletter from Super Don by sending texting RSB to 22828, text RSB, my initials to 22828 to get the newsletter. And you're going to be getting a perspective on the news and news stories. Yes, some of them, there it is up on the screen for those of you who want to do that. But you'll be getting stories that are curated by Super Don because he knows what the mission is of this show where we're going, where we're not victimizing you with this information, but helping you navigate and find a way to go above and beyond it, perhaps, or even straight through it when need be. Or how to make ginger lemonade. That too, because that's very popular (laughs) in last week or today's stories of all the stories that are popular. It's Fauci retiring and ginger lemonade. Number two. I'm telling you, you know, we start, we started this newsletter thing just as, you know, Hey, let's have a newsletter. And, um, it's become something I really enjoy doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I I can go and I can look and I can see which stories are the popular ones. And I think yesterday, or was it today? Today, Mm -hmm. um, like the number one story so far has been Fauci stepping down, which makes sense. That's big news. Mm -hmm. Second most popular story, how to make ginger lemonade. And I'm just like, yeah, that's really cool. So anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Yeah. So I think the balance of, of coverage of stories is important here. Also, uh, we'll, we'll show you some garden picks, but I, I do think, uh, so, super Don, some people are now actually sending in their pictures with their orange guard, you know, oh, yeah. the, 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 the yeah, in fact, uh, let's see, it was Stephanie, mm-hmm. um, that sent some, some pictures in. Yeah. Let me go, let me, uh, go full screen here. First off, this is some stuff from, from Stephanie's garden, I believe. Oh, nice. Some zucchinis, tomatoes, and what is that yellow one? I forget the Dude, name. Dude, that's a squash. squash. I can't remember some... what that's called, but that, that that's a squash. It kind of looks like a UFO. Doesn't it? But, yeah. yeah. Alien squash. But that is a squash. But uh, Stephanie's daughter, Brooke, mm-hmm. um, has planted a garden. And I believe the way I read this is this is Brooke's garden. She planted this. Oh, and wow. And she's got the, the orange guard there. Nice. Um, that she's using on her garden. Yeah. 
And it kind of, you know, I mean, it looks like there's, I want to say that zucchini there next to the dog right there. Mm-hmm. And that kind of looks like, I don't know what that is next to her there uh, down on the ground, but there's a full picture there. Send us your orange guard pics. Of the garden. Yeah, we'll, how cool we'll is en- that? We will enter and we'll do a giveaway of some kind in addition to our AMAs for our patron supporters. And orangeguard.com, you can go to your local Ace Hardware and pick it up as well. Delimiting-based pesticide, non-toxic to you, your kids, your pets, yet can help you deal with the nasties that you don't want hanging around you and crawling and creeping and all over you. So there you go, orangeguard.com. Now, I just got back from Autism One, which was like great. Like I said, I wish there were more people. I know there's a lot of reasons people don't go out much to these things. Hopefully, more and more of you will. But if you go to the upcoming events tab, and I don't know what, what is on there as I open it up to look at it myself. Right I have now. not updated that yet. What have you been doing? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Just sitting on the couch. Yeah. If I'm make if I'm not making a mistake, the next event I'm I'm traveling to, unless there's something that pops up between now and then, is the thirteenth US Health Freedom Congress in St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul, basically near the airport. September twenty third and twenty fourth. And I, I think in fact, um our friend uh what are we to Aubrey? Her her mother, maybe her mother and father would come. They live in Minnesota, and you want to rub elbows with the health, the heroes of the health freedom movement, and you could be one of them. Come on down and join us, support it. The event you go to. Uh, let me see if I click on this banner. Takes me to healthfreedomcongress.org, and you'll see the 13th United States Health Freedom Congress, September 23rd, 24th. We'll have an evening get together on the 22nd, and it's a working group. And you don't have to be a voting member to attend. And if you have a product or service or you have deep pockets and you want to support the event, donations are also welcome. And Diane Miller and the crowd, the crew there, they're amazing what they do. And a lot of things on the state levels are uh, are really acknowledged. You know, we talk about what's working. It's not about things that might work in the future. We talk about the things that have worked and how to duplicate and even make those efforts better. They're going to be honoring one group, the Health Freedom, uh, I'm sorry, the Health Independence Alliance out of Utah for their efforts in passing a bill in the last legislative session that was uh, prohibiting genetic testing, experimentation, or any anything that would alter your genes, which inadvertently the legislators and the governor signed. They didn't realize that would prohibit, put the kibosh on any mandates of COVID mRNA technology shots now and in the future. That's fascinating. That's a big win. And so they're going to be honored at the United States Health Freedom Congress. And that's, so it's nice. You, you really can give high fives to the folks that have succeeded. And we talk about the journeys that we've been on to do better as success happens at the local and state level where the feds mean less and less to what's going on. Now, we also have the Wellness Parenting Revolution Health and Freedom Summit and Expo. That'll be the 7th, 8th and 9th of October in Orlando. I think the Nurse Freedom Network will have a track there as well our friend Kimberly Overton, and I'll be joining. Uh, actually, I'll probably have a couple of events that week in Orlando area at Chamberlain's. That's what I'm hearing. If those of you listen in the Orlando metro area, I may be doing a couple of public events for them that week is leading into this. And then uh, the big event that weekend. And then we've got the Health Freedom Expo the next week in Chicagoland area, October 15th and 16th. And I certainly would love to see you guys there. That is going to be the profound you know, reunion of the year, getting together with all the health freedom people. So if you haven't been to one, Tinley Park, it's far enough outside of Chicago. It's not so crazy. We have a great, great weekend. Jonathan E. Moore and others will join us there. So how are we doing on what are we doing this hour? I know we got a, do- a new doc, a young doc, joining us in hour two with our Brighton.tv uh, simulcast coming up. 
Yes, correct. So we have reached a point here where we have actually a bunch of uh, questions of the day to get caught up on. Did you want to try and tackle one of these? Yeah, let's see. And, and I mentioned, I, I talked to the doctor. I said, you know, I might, might throw some of those at him because we want to get all of them, but that's fine. Let's see what's going on on the first one. Yeah, question of the day coming from Karen. She says, I saw your webinar last night. And, and the only reason I, I think like we were trying to figure this out because I didn't do one last night, <laughs> but apparently they're rebroadcasting. Jonathan Otto is rebroadcasting. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Webinar so what was that called? Unbreakable something or other? Yeah. Yeah. So Karen writes in. She says she's praying that I might be able to help or we might be able to help her uh, with the truth. Her husband has gastroesophageal reflux, GERD. What would you suggest he take? Well, let's start there. That's the easiest thing. And even Super Don knows the powder that you add into warm water or warm water into tang. that. Not Tang. What is no. that Tang? No. Did, I don't think anybody knows about Tang anymore. Did Tang, did it come back out for yeah, the millennials? it's still around, I think. I think you can still get it. I don't even want to know what it's made of no, now. No, no. you're talking about Canjest. Canjest, yeah. yes. So if you go to uh, choosetobehealthy.com, Karen, and you when you check out, enter the code RSB5 to get a discount, Get a bunch of tubs of not Tang, but Canjest. <laughs> did you ever Choose drink Tang when you were a kid? Yes, I did. That's why I was sick. I mean, I ate all the. I wanted to be like the astronauts, food. man. Yeah. I wanted to see. I know. I had. I told you, I had Apollo Eleven uh, uh, pajamas with footies built in. That's awesome. Remember those things? I do. Yeah. So I do. I remember that. But yeah. no, don't do that. Do the 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 thing that will counteract the GERD, and that's the Canjest tea. It's a powder. Don't use that little teeny tiny scoop in it. Get a level teaspoon out of it. So you're going to get a bunch of these these tubs and activate it in warm water. Drink it down three or, in your uh, husband's case, four times a day. And that would be my my key there with the GERD. Now, a lot of times it is a lack of stomach acid production. I talk about other minerals. While you're at choosetobehealthy.com, get the Mega Food Magnesium. And by the way, I woke up with a, a cramp in my calf uh, the Sunday morning at the uh, Autism One. Partly because, the, you know, it's, it's like 10% humidity most of the time in Arizona. And I probably wasn't drinking enough water. But I, I was like, oh, dude, I needed to take two magnesiums instead of one. Because normally I just do one a night, one in the morning before anything and after anything. Mm -hmm. And I and I upped it to two and I was fine. But it was like, oh, I'm not getting that. Immediately I knew magnesium. So I, I upped that. So let's see. Uh, her husband has also suffered neuropathy, not with diabetes, for over 20 years. This is very severe now. No one has been able to relieve the pain. What would you suggest? It's the toe next to the big toe on his right foot and the baby toe on his left foot, but not constant. It comes and goes. His main relief is when he's moving around. As soon as he sits or goes to bed, pain kicks in and he does not get good sleep. Just don't not, sit or go to bed. Yeah, don't sit or go to bed. I would say one of the things here, it sounds like a circulatory issue. You're not getting the, the blood flow into the certain areas, extremities in this case. And so it's the cardio miracle again. That's it, man. It's simple as that. So, Karen, I don't know if your husband has done that. It's easy to do. I'm trying to think of easy things for people to do. Yep. How easy is it to take a scoop of Cardio Miracle like I do every morning, add it into preferably some echo water, some hydrogen water, but clean water, and just drink it on down and get that going. Now, it's interesting, too, with pain. You often think in toe, you think gout. Could there be a lack of movement of debris, metabolic waste from those areas? Yeah, without blood flow, that can happen. So you can still use like a homeopathic remedy like Rus Toxicodendron. There's also a PEMF type technologies. We, that's pulsed 
kind of electromagnetic field therapy. There's also uh, hey, the sound therapy. You talked about the voice stuff that we have with Sherry Edwards, bioacoustics. There's a lot of things that you can do, and we've taught you how to get a free assessment, automated assessment. I think we go back to Sherry Edwards' uh, interview last week. I don't think a lot of people took advantage of that. I was like, why not? Dude, try it out. You'll get some information, and you could follow up on it. Uh, let's see what else. Um, Karen says now about her, she took the shingle shot before she knew better. She ended up with a severe, severe case of shingles. I always said this. You want the shingles? Get the shingle shot. That turned into a horrific case of neuralgia in January, where I've suffered ever since. Once again, doctors can't help with the terrible pain. What would you suggest? Thank you for all that you do to help people with the truth. God bless you. Well, God bless you too, Karen. And, you know, you've got systemic pain in fibromyalgia. You know, it's essential fats. It's saturated fats. I mean, we need all the good fats for the nerves to help heal. We need the minerals like selenium to protect ourselves, protect those nerves. Yes, CBD, any type of, uh, you know, neuralgic pain. You know, my wife has been dealing with this for years and We'll, we should have some interesting reports I'm getting because she's doing a, a it's kind of a, a weirdly, it's called shockwave, but it's a softer version of that apparently. And uh, we're now like three, maybe four weeks into it. And she's had three days in a row super done. You got to, this is, this is all emerging. And I'm not going into detail because I want to be able to report fully when we go through an eight week cycle, but I'm encouraged because it hasn't been easy for her. Not at all. You, you want to talk about someone who has every right to be depressed and yet she still hangs out with us and, and, and keeps me alive and going. She's amazing. Uh, three days in a row she's had opening, opening the day for about half the day, little to no pain, and then it will eventually come back. That hasn't happened. That's huge. That's mm-hmm. a huge difference. So uh, we continue to be open to new options, technologies, gifts of healing, because as we always say, I've tried everything, but I haven't tried that. So humor me on that. When you all say, I've tried everything, but I haven't tried that, go for the try that unless you're just giving up. Uh, So uh, there are other things that we could talk about, uh, Karen, but I'm almost out of time here. And uh, we could do some follow-up on that. But there's systemic inflammation issues. Talked about the bioactive copper hydrosol as well. Copper playing a role in systemic inflammation, neural uh, issues, brain and nervous system, heart issues as well. Copper could be something that could help. People do wear copper fit type clothing. Maybe even your husband can put some copper on and around the area where he has the pain, but also take the, uh, the copper hydrosol. We have links in the show notes or at robertscottbell.com to get the sovereign copper. And you usually get like a 20% discount. So that's kind of cool. So that would be helpful. All right. Uh, Mercedes, if I'm saying that right, M-E-R-C-E-D-E-Z, Mercedes says, what are your thoughts about taking diatomaceous earth food grade? It's fine if you want. I, I, I don't necessarily uh, do it, but it's not that I, uh, it's dangerous. You get a food-grade diatomaceous earth. Arguably, we get this question from time every to once time. While. You remember this then, yeah. Um, so if you've got some GI issues, I don't think it's the, the first thing I go to. And I know it's rich in silica, but I don't think it's it's super bioavailable. You know, I, if you want silica, I, to, I do the Alta Health product silica I get from Jonathan at choosetobeLT.com. But yeah, if, if it helps you with GI issues, You'll notice it fast or not, and then move on to something else. We talked about gut health recovery. That's the silver aloe protocol still is adding now the copper. And there are many ways to address GI issues. I'm not saying I'm the only way. I just tend to say it's probably the fastest way. One of the fastest ways to restore integrity to the epithelial lining of the gut, the silver aloe protocol. Again, copper plays a role in connective tissue as well as does silica. 
So think about all of these minerals that you could replenish in such a case. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're trying to target the elimination of parasites. That's also copper. And there's also a, a, an herbal ivermectin I want to introduce you guys to soon. I'll be talking with the, the developer of that I met a few weeks ago. And we've been putting it to the test. And Super Don, do you remember me saying about my daughter? She's, you know, in high school, she started her senior year. But last year, she had, to, you know, began this mysterious rash after the kids at school started getting the, the, the COVID jabs. Mm. And we have tried so many things that normally would work from homeopathic to herbal and everything, and nothing's responding. And we finally got her on this herbal version of ivermectin. In other words, it does all the things they say ivermectin does, but with herbs instead of the drug. And it's working. Really? It's almost gone. Yeah, I'm telling you, we, this is one of those cases where I say, we've tried everything, but we didn't try that. Wow. And we even tried ivermectin. And it didn't really do much. But this herbal formula, which was downloaded from above, I'm gonna, we're going to do a show about it. I promise you, I'm going to coordinate that. So there's some good things coming. If you think you've heard it all from the Robert Scott Bell Show, not even. <laughs> I'm learning stuff all the time, and I love it when I have experiences that I get to share with you of great benefit and the things I talk about and do. I mean, you know, the muscle building I talk about with the IGF stuff, this stuff is working. I put on a baseline of muscle, and it's going great. This morning at the gym, one of my friends at the gym, uh, Michael, said, hey, what, because he saw me, because I'll go into the gym, I'll do, before I get to the gym, I do my cardio miracle in the water, right? I get out there, I go to the gym, and in my gym bag, I pull out my IGF-1+, plus. you get a keys to life.shop, remember, Bell is the discount code, you gotta buy one, get one free, and I spray it in my mouth, he saw, I, I didn't know he was watching me, he's like, oh, what is that you're spraying? And I told him about the baselines, he said, oh, send me the link, send me the link. So, uh, if you guys wanna lose the bad weight, gain the good weight. Uh, that IGF One Plus stuff is amazing. That banner is on right on the the, the website up in the upper right hand. Oh, it corner. is okay. Yeah. Good, yeah. very good. All right, yep. so let's pause on the questions of the day. We'll add them in in hour two. We've got a, a physician joining us for the first time, recommended by our friend Dr. Andy Kaufman, uh, and uh, Dr. Uh, Grayson Dart is going to join us during our simulcast hour uh, with Brideon.tv. And remember, when we do that, it's a different. A little bit of a different format at the top of the hour which we're counting down toward uh, i do a one minute intro that's why you say why does he do that on mondays well because it's their schedule that we simulcast to brideon.tv so i do a one minute hello here we are here's what we're doing and then there's like a two and a half minute break you see uh, if you're watching at our website or on uh, social media what we send you if you're watching on brideon.tv they'll send you messages or commercials that they have but the nice option there is that it's also on um what is that thing? Uh, Roku. It's on Roku. So people do watch right. it on TV yep. an hour or two. So we got through, let's see, the shingle shot, the pain, the GERD, the diatomaceous earth. We got a thyroid question. We got internship questions. Yeah, we'll add that into the mix with Dr. Grayson Dart in an hour or two as far as that goes. Uh, what else have I forgot announcements-wise since I've been out, out and about on the road? Anything else that uh, we're missing? Hmm. I don't think so. You don't think so, or you don't, don't know so? so? It will. It would be both. It would be both? So if you think you know, or you think you know? It's what you know. It's what you know? No, it's who you know. <laughs> don't you know that? It's about who you know. Throughout history, it's always location, about who location, you know. Location, location, location. Something like yeah. that. I don't know. All right, we got yeah. a little over 30 seconds here. Really? So I don't even know what to do 30 seconds. What do I do? Countdown? Do you want to count down from 30? Well, yeah, that would be really exciting, wouldn't it? No, I would not do that. When are we doing garden picks? We'll do that in bonus time. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I got like seven or eight new garden picks. I just went out before the show. Thank God, my honey, she's out there in the garden every day while I'm out on the road looking good. Great stuff happening. Super yeah. Don's got some stuff as well. I've got one it. picture, but it's you got super one awesome. Picture. Yes. Yeah, all right, 10 seconds. Awesome picture. So uh, we'll do that as well coming up. And if you've got questions or comments, I see in the chat room. We'll see if that's there as well. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the Robert Scott Bell Show. This is our second broadcast hour, simulcast on Mondays with our friends at Brideon.tv, the place for health, freedom, and healing liberty. We're on two hours plus a day, six days a week. I just got back from the Autism One Conference, which was stunning. It was amazing. The presentations were phenomenal. Got to hang out with my good pal, Judy Mikovits. Dr. Judy's amazing. Dell Bigtree was on the show yesterday. If you missed that, come on over, sign up for email alerts or text RSB to 22828 to get the newsletter. Text RSB to 22828 to get the newsletter. If you want to be part of our chat room, come on over to robertscabell.com slash listen. While you're watching on your Roku unit, you can be chatting with us. And we got a, a great community. This hour, we're going to have uh, a new physician, a young physician. And he was recommended to us by our good friend, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Dr. Grayson Dart joins us. We'll have a, a wide-ranging discussion of allopathic medicine into what we call integrative natural and holistic medicine coming up after this. Here we go. Scott Bell Show. All right, we're back at it here. Welcome once again. I just, as I said, got back from the Autism One Conference. Uh, there are a number of events that happen throughout the year. And I know some of you don't like to travel, and I get it. I understand it. But if anything gets near you and you want to join, part of the reason in the COVID smackdown, lockdown, that they did that was to divide us, keep us isolated. And in isolation, we can be more easily controlled. Certainly, they can ratchet up the fear because you don't know how other humans are reacting, interacting, acting at all. And you find out when you come to these events, like we did the Advanced Medicine Conference right through the COVID craziness years, and people came together, looked at each other, said, are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid. Are you afraid? No. And suddenly you're strengthened by the reality that the artifice of fear has not impacted everybody, is not impacting everybody. But it takes us getting together, human to human, to find out our divinity is connected and connecting with each other creates a strength. And of course, there is an insanity in groups, too. I'm not arguing against that. But the group insanity, the group dynamic insanity has been to instill fear in those folks and coming together with like minded people, people that have seen through the lies that have survived through them and now know better and that are least vulnerable to the powers of artificial suggestions that we should be afraid of germs and that each one of us is a vector of disease simply by breathing and that kids certainly can kill grandma if they don't wear a mask, right? All of that. Most people can see through that, but if you don't get together with other people, you're, you're wondering, does anybody see through it? Am I alone? And that isolation is a dangerous place. And in fact, cells in isolation don't operate normally. We have a community of cells, but voluntarily they're together, not by some communist dictate, not some centralized bureaucracy says, all you cells must be lumped together in a concentration camp. Vera Sharav has been lecturing around uh, the world. She went to the, the recent, I think, uh, was it the 75th anniversary of the Nuremberg trials? 
And it's, you know, interesting about 75 years, and I don't know if I'm exactly right on that, but 75 years of CDC. Well, isn't that interesting? Around that time, they had the CDC comes about and does everything the opposite now of what the Nuremberg Code would indicate. First, do no harm. Not only that, fully informed consent. We don't experiment on people without giving them all the information and acknowledging the things we don't know about it. That's not at all what's part of the Western modern medicine mindset other than those doctors that are rebelling against their flexner report medical school training and their control of their very lives and viewpoints by licensing boards they couldn't heal anybody out of a glyphosate infested wet paper sack there's a lot going on over the last 75 years and i want to welcome a newer doctor to the fold here on the robert scott bell show and we have his website linked up and uh, it's a welcome to dr grayson dart dr dart is that like you know people have come up with cool names like grace and dart i still ask is like well, did your parents watch james bond and named you grace and dart, <laughs> grace and dart. hey well i appreciate the compliment uh no actually my my mom named me my first name Grayson. she had a college professor his name is dr Grayson. she just liked the name so wow and your last <laughs> name was always dart that's always been dart yeah it's not a hollywood name so <laughs> All right. Well, cool. All right. Well, look, welcome. And I know uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman referenced you and, and you're working with him. I don't know if he's been a mentor to you or how you, you know, let's my concern for any young medical school student coming into medicine is like, how do you survive the indoctrination? And I'll give you a, quickly the backstory because we've never met before. You know, I always knew growing up, I would become a doctor. And my uncle was a medical doctor, a physician. And he warned me as a young teenager, do not, whatever you do, don't become a doctor. Uncle Bob, what do you mean? Don't become a doctor. You're a doctor. He says, you'll be miserable. And he started laying out the reason, some of which definitely manifested. He knew it 20, 30 years ahead, what was happening. And I didn't realize it till I was at Emory university in Atlanta and going down that track that if I had to do after becoming a doctor, all the things doctors did to me. And at that point, my first 19 years of life, I would be miserable. Talk about depression. And yet it wasn't for another four or five years that I learned of homeopathic medicine. It had been erased from the history of medicine in the West in America. Yet my school at Emory taught on their medical school curricula homeopathy up until 1949. And then it was wow. wiped out. It was one of the last holdouts uh, as the Flexner report took hold and just wiped oh, yeah. out any, anything but petrochemical patent medicine discussion in, in medicine and medical school. So tell me a little bit about your journey to becoming a doctor, what you thought it was, or did you know going in what you'd have to be indoctrinated and, and kind of protect yourself from, or did you, get through it and go, this doesn't sound right. Let me find Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Well, uh, great question. I, I went into medical school, totally brainwashed already, you know, from my upbringing, thinking that medicine heals. Mm. Um, the reason I went into medical school actually in the first place was because I was such a sick kid. I had asthma, horrible mm. asthma, horrible allergies, hospitalized many times. And so, uh, you know, my initial, inclination to going down that route was thinking, Hey, becoming a medical doctor is a way to help other people heal. You know, it, I've, well, I've been that, through a lot of sickness. That's right? the parallel. That's my journey right there. And, and, and yet, <laughs> as I point out in my looking back at the point of that crossroads, I figured out what my uncle was trying to tell me, even though maybe he didn't even know everything that he was saying that I realized that nothing they did in those first 19 years of treatments for, you know, borderline asthma, many respiratory ailments, uh, musculoskeletal inflammatory conditions, uh, infections galore, antibiotics galore. None of those things helped me. 10 years of allergy shots. They only managed mm -hmm. at best, but made, made me worse. And I thought, 
see my conclusion at that moment was like, I can't do that because none of it worked. I don't want to be that, but I want to help people. I still want to get well. So I paused that journey and did other things until I found homeopathy, but you charged on. Is that why you have no hair? What happened? <laughs> well, that, that's probably a good point. Um, I actually played college football too. So I think a wow. lot of that headbanging, I mean, that, that shows you how deep in slumber I was. I was not awake mm -hmm. until actually. So the, the critical point was my mm -hmm. second year in medical school. Okay. I was in a physiology lecture and my, my professor was telling us about asthma, um, all the different treatments, you know, all that was medication. There was nothing holistic whatsoever. And here I am bad asthma still as an adult in my twenties, taking all kinds of inhalers, breathing treatments on the regular. And I asked my professor in that lecture, is it possible to reverse asthma? Can it be cured? And his response was no, it can only be managed. And so maybe I, I just didn't like the answer, but that was right there. My wheel started spinning and I just thought, well, the, I can't live my whole life like this. It, you know, really up until that point, I really didn't think about it. But once mm. that moment hit, it was kind of game on trying to figure out what actually could cure my asthma. And it was probably about two years later that I got off all my medications. I haven't had a symptom of asthma now for over two years. And ah, so love it. Um, you know, it, it took me a little bit of time to figure it out, but really, you know, once I, once I figured it out, but you were two was, years in committed to this journey pretty intensely, you know, that's yes. an investment of time and money and all totally. of that. And, and so totally. you, you, then you figure it out. Okay. So you're still in medical school, which can be very daunting because when you start asking questions, you, you'll often find out they don't like those questions. Oh yeah. No, I, I've confronted many a professor on, anything from vaccines to antibiotics. And uh, you're exactly right. They did not like those questions whatsoever. And so really it, it was tough. Like I kind of had to hide in the shadows just to like get the degree. And then from there it was, uh, you know, I went into residency and I basically had to be like an undercover agent because everything I did, I had someone looking over my shoulder. And so uh, you know, the people that actually got better were the ones where it was like, Hey, listen, this isn't like official medical advice, but here's what I think you really should do. I'm not going to put it in your notes, but this is what you really, I think should do. And those are the people that were, would actually get off their blood pressure meds, mm -hmm. decrease their insulin, whatever the case was. Um, and so really it was, it was tough. Uh, those three years of residency were probably the hardest three years of my life because, I was unable to share what I really felt, but deep down, I also knew that my path, I had to complete it and become board certified. And it's really a blessing because I, I understand where people are coming from. You know, they, they've gone to the doctors, they've been put on the meds. I know exactly where they're coming from because I've seen it. I've been able to go, mm -hmm. I've been able to see the shadow or the dark side and, and not join it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, well, it does, but it's a, it's a journey that is as difficult as anything I, I've ever heard, seen, or witnessed because over the years, you know, looking and trying to reach doctors, the indoctrination is so powerful. The, oh, it's yeah. programming. You, you, it's like you have to deprogram from a cult to be able to often see the things you're talking about, yet you saw them as you're journeying through it and you survived it. That tells me your spirit's tough, strong, you know, and you're not going to be swayed by that and you're not easily programmed. So kudos to you for doing that. Well, That's you. an amazing journey. That. Now coming out as a young doctor, also you probably witnessed certainly in the past two, two and a half years, 
you find that the doctors that have a caring concern for their patient and are more interested in what works as opposed to what they're told to do have been threatened in many ways, including with loss of licensure. So has any of that caused you to go, Ooh, I got to hide underground now, or has it caused you to be more resolute in, in what you need to do? Well, you know, that exact question is the reason I reached out to Dr. Kaufman, Andrew Kaufman, because I wanted to figure out how can I set up my business in such a way that protects me from the medical board, any type of legal action, uh, you know, simply for wanting to do what's best for the patient instead of doing what the insurance company and the medical board dictates, because that's basically what doctors are doing. They're, they're trying to figure out how to get reimbursed from insurance rather than doing what's best for the patient. And, you know, I really don't blame them because they're in so much debt and that's just the way they've been trained. But uh, once I reached out to him, you know, we clicked just ideologically and he said, hey, you know what, I'm looking for somebody to mentor and to work with. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another and we've joined forces and now I'm doing consultations for, you know, I see people with, you name the disease, I've probably seen it now. And we do it all via conference calls like we're doing right now. And we do it in such a way that we protect ourselves from, uh, you know, it's, we can't consider it actual medicine because it's not medicine. Mm -hmm. We don't have a doctor patient relationship. It's just Mm -hmm. information. Yeah. And the person takes that information and does what they seem fit for themselves and and their family. So I've heard and seen more doctors engaging in what you're describing uh, by establishing, uh, let's say, different business models, including and especially the private membership associations, the PMAs, as well as some even establishing ministries in certain segments of ways to be able to be free and unencumbered by the limitations of a license. And when I say that, Still, some people go, well, what do you mean limitations of a license? Isn't it awesome to be licensed doctors? Like, no, they got you by the, you know what? You're controlled <laughs> by that license and they'll tell you what to do or they'll revoke it. It's, it's not a good thing. I wish we could you know, revoke licensure for everybody and just establish qualifications and skills and then let the freedom of the free marketplace decide who are the people that are helping people. And also those people are going to cooperate as we've seen in emerge in the last two and a half years doctors, allopathic doctors working with homeopaths and naturopaths and herbalists and chiropractors and nurses and, and nutritionists and uh, all of these things that were supposedly never, that would never happen. It's happening because we've seen the failure of isolationism. Totally, totally. You, you know what? It's interesting. I just wrote a blog. The title of it is Virology, A Shift in Consciousness. Um, mm. And it's more about, you know, it's not really getting to, into the nitty gritty about the scam of virology and what they consider it to be an actual virus or not, but it's more about the shift in consciousness that a person takes when they realize that there's not a microscopic boogeyman coming to attack you. Mm-hmm. And just that, just by understanding that all of what COVID, you know, the scamdemic, whatever you want to call it, it wouldn't have worked because people would have just been like, okay, I'm not going to social distance. I'm not going to put on a stupid mask. Um, I'm going to take care of my own health. And and that's the other thing too, is that health really is almost entirely based upon what people choose to do, Mm -hmm. what you choose to put in your mouth, what you choose, you know, the relationships you choose to put yourself into, uh, you know, when it comes to kids, it's a little bit different, but you know, if you're an adult, hundred percent, it's what you choose to do. So, uh, I really liked your introduction about, uh, your experience at autism one and, Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, it's really sad to see how brainwashed people have allowed themselves to become. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it wasn't that long ago that I was in a marketplace with people still wearing masks. Like it's been like what, two, three years now. Mm-hmm. And just that false sense of security that people have from it. Yeah. Um, you know, I really feel like it's been an opportunity for people to wake up and, and to take responsibility for once in their lives. So in a way it is a blessing. Yeah, indeed it is. So if people were wanting to uh, reach out and consult with you, I, we have, a. Uh, a link at Andrew MD.com, but do you have your own place where your blog is that we should know? Uh, that's on, that's on his website as well. So I'm doing a, an actual fellowship with Andrew Kaufman right now. So okay. most of my material is under his website. I do have my own website, drdart.com, mm-hmm. but uh, pretty much most of my work is, is under his website. We're going to, we're thinking about changing things a little bit um, mm-hmm. so that it's not confusing with, you know, Andrew Kaufman, but you're actually meeting with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, it seems to work out really well that way. Yep. And, and I want to acknowledge some of the controversies that we've covered here on this show for 23 years now. The germ theory versus the law of the terrain. And, and you know, Andy Kaufman, Tom Cowan have been very outspoken on this and challenging one way or the other. And then there are other people that have a, a cross between the two and others that are germ theory aficionados. And I, I want to engage in discussion and debate. And I don't mind it. I don't run from it. I think it's exciting. Uh, to learn what I don't know, even though I, I know some stuff and, and, you know, the, the problem is there's often yelling and screaming at one another instead of, Hey, let's get together and talk about the things that we disagree on. And I think we more often than not find that we're actually in agreement. We might be using the different language or words to describe similar things. Uh, because even people that still would identify uh, as, as viruses may be existing, would also have come to the conclusion that they don't really cause disease. For instance, that's a step. That's a huge step that they're incidental to cell dysregulation as opposed to being the cause of any problem any more than we believe that even with coach Coke's postulates going back in the day of how do they identify an infectious agent? It still wouldn't manifest even having the presence of any, you know, particular microbe, wouldn't manifest as an infection in a terrain that is intact, that has integrity, that has balance and functionality, all of which, you know, the COVID jabs are destroying and arguably uh, being, you know, inducing immune deficiency or immune destruction with each and every shot. Absolutely. You know, one way uh, um, you're right, because there is a little bit of a schism between Mm -hmm. uh, those in the health freedom movement. Uh, you know, I know of, of some that, that still promote germ theory, some that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a great mentor early on in medical school. Like when I woke up, I, he, he and I found each other, Dr. Russell Jaffe. I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he was an NIH professor uh, in pathology and laboratory sciences. And he showed me some very interesting uh, material from like the 1970s where basically they came to a conclusion at the NIH, bunch of experts that it wasn't genetics that caused disease. It was epigenetics or the environment. In other words, it's really like how healthy is the terrain of your body? Mm-hmm. Regardless if you, if you believe in germs or not, that's where the true health and healing happens. Getting the terrain of your body in such a way that it can perform its proper functions. And well, if that's off, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to see all kinds of diseases manifesting. So. Right. And, and that's true. Epigenetics is basically a fancy word for saying the environment impacts gene expression. And that, you know, I've even said this about so-called genetic defects. It was the environment that the mother and the father were in prior to that, that 
causes the expression as the baby is developing. And so they go, oh, it's just a random thing. If we just throw enough dimes at it, we'll figure this thing out. And they, they really are loath to acknowledge what we talk about because then you have to look at environmental causes. And that always leads to what? Industries that pollute and uh, industries that poison on purpose in terms of drug industry that bring toxic poisons into the environment and alter it in a way that diminishes the minerals and their ability to protect cellular metabolic functions because they're given up in defense, if you will, against these toxic poisons, whether they be um, earth-made or man-made, altered from the earth, uh, becomes a real issue. So toxicology is, for me, more important than virology by far. <laughs> and even though, uh, you know, I've said this many times, if they fired all the virologists and made them become toxicologists or nutritionists, we would all be so far better off. I was just like, there'd be a, a world difference in, in that sense. And that's not me going, oh, you're anti-science. You don't want people to study things like, no, I don't mind if you do it. But when you come out as the official experts of the world on what causes disease and that even those that if they have honesty about viruses, whether they again put aside the existence argument at the moment, say, yeah, well, they exist, but we know they're really not the cause. That has happened. I've seen people come to that conclusion to say it's a terrain issue even as there's discord between those that say it's not even in existence and on and on it goes. So I try to find a way where we can communicate through that or else we're just yelling at one another. I don't, I don't think we succeed a lot doing that. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You brought up toxicology because my introduction to it was during like my emergency medicine rotations mm -hmm. and they study toxicology in a way where it's like, Oh wow. You know, you, you drank a whole vial of mercury or you, mm. you took like 20 pills of ibuprofen, like a, a frank acute poisoning. Mm -hmm. But really, uh, in, in medicine and toxicology, they don't really consider like the slow poisoning that is occurring on a daily basis from your pharmaceutical drugs or the pollutants in the air or the microplastics that we're all exposed to. And I believe, I agree with you, Robert, 100%, that in my world, the biggest causes of disease that I'm seeing are from toxins just living here for longer than a couple of decades as well as like you know some malnourishment or some dehydration but mm -hmm. really we have to figure out the toxicity first and mm -hmm. then a lot of that stuff just takes care of itself it's really amazing when we put someone on like a, a really good detoxification protocol mm -hmm. the reversals that you see the docs used to immunities disease doc yeah Dr. Grayson Dart, the docs used to just try to laugh and yell at me when I talked about it this way, because, you know, this is how I got well uh, almost 30 yeah. years ago, starting with detoxification of my liver, right? With homeopathic med medicines, minerals, different foods, putting cleaner foods in my body. And I'm like, you guys failed for the first 24 years of my life at helping me other than managing my disease or making it worse. And now I, I go on an organic food diet and I begin to detoxify my liver with things you don't even think exist, like homeopathy. And yet I get stronger and I eliminate my allergies and my digestion comes back online. And here I am in my mid fifties doing things I couldn't do in my twenties with no chronic illnesses and ailments. And you're telling me I'm off my rocker. <laughs> and so again, it's exciting to see you as a young physician already knowing that having broken through the, the programming, the hypnosis to believe otherwise. And your point about the way they trained you in toxicology. I, I love that you brought that up. It's like, well, yes, we know toxicology is real, but only if you, what, overwhelm yourself to the point of near death do we exist and acknowledge the toxins. And if we talk about slow, residual, and even lifetimes of accumulation manifesting in this lifetime of all these chronic ailments and illnesses, much less injectable versions with vaccines, um, you know, they're not taught to acknowledge that at that level. 
despite the fact that, oh, we got to take a break. Oh, hold on. I'm not used to this. We're on TV. We'll be back with Dr. Grayson Dart after this on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Okay. They, they usually break for, what, two and a half minutes. Super Don will tell us when we come back. We're technically still broadcasting out to our audience directly on robertscottbell.com and the various social medias where we have not been banned, at least yet. <laughs> so we nice. can keep chatting a little bit. And then when we're joined in two minutes by our bigger audience, we'll come back on that point sure. of the toxins, which I love to talk about. So otherwise, uh, do, do you have any uh, upcoming events? Are you traveling around lecturing yet? Or are you still just in that intense learning mode and uh, working with uh, uh, Dr. Kaufman? Uh, yeah, pretty much just what you mentioned. Uh, we do do like a monthly Q&A. So if you go to um, his True Medicine Library, and you sign up for that. Um, you can get a free account there. But we do like a two-hour Q&A once a month. So I'm actually doing that tomorrow. Oh, cool. And then um, in September, I'm traveling to Costa Rica to do a 21-day water fast. And oh, so wow. I'll be down there for a month. So yeah, so I'll be fasting for 21 days. And then um, seven days of refeeding. I don't know if you know. Do you know Lauren Lockman, Robert? You heard the name. Of the name's familiar. I don't know that we've interviewed Lauren Lockman. We've interviewed yeah, a lot of people. A, but He's a bright fellow. I think you'd, okay. you'd enjoy his. his Sounds work, like but. it. Yeah. <laughs> he actually introduced me to this book. I don't know if uh, you guys can appreciate this, but it's The Science and Fine Arts of Fasting by oh. Herbert Shelton. Yeah, I know yeah. about that book, but that sounds like a cool guy to, to interview for sure. Yes. That would be awesome. I think you'd, you'd enjoy it. So have you have you done a 21-day fast yet? No, this will be my first time. I think the longest wow. I fasted is four days. Wow. You, well, we'll have to have you back on after your experience yeah. to talk about it too. That'll be fascinating. Yeah, as it, Superdon told you earlier, I, I do a, a, a weekly fast, You know, sun, typically sundown to sundown. That's my goal. Um, and it's, a, it's discipline. It's also a spiritual benefit on an ongoing basis. Really? And, and from someone who is hypoglycemic as a younger adult and kid i couldn't go 20 minutes without eating like, and so to now to go a, a day without eating is like I, I, I even on the road doing things i'm like this is not a problem so for people that think that i was born to be able to do that i couldn't do it yeah i was much like it. you yeah no it sounds like we have an interesting similar chronic uh upbringing to bring us to the yeah. journey that we're on right now which is wonderful so we're back in five seconds and we'll okay. uh, pick up the, the, the thought. Three, two, one. All right. Welcome back, everybody. The Robert Scott Bell Show continues. Our guest this hour, Dr. Grayson Dart, working with Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. You can sign up for email alerts or, as Superdon says, the newsletter <laughs> by texting RSB, my initials, to 22828. Text RSB to 228. Two eight, there it is, and you can get uh, plugged in immediately to the the daily newsletter with lots of great things that you learn, and uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Some of the things you'll learn about: we were talking about toxic poisons. That there are ways if you're growing food, or if you have, let's say, you live in a place and it's infested with ants and roaches and things, you don't want to use toxic poisons that can kill your kids or your pets. Delimining from the orange peel. Oh my gosh, God created that. They distill it out of the orange peel and uh, orange guard has it orangeguard.com you can get it at your local ace hardware and you can use orange guard around uh, organic agriculture it's omri listed and i've used it in my my garden no problem superdon's using it there and you know hopefully you don't have pests that could indicate an imbalance in the soils that's true but you can manage something safely while you work to rehabilitate soils but also in your house you might be renting you couldn't control what was there before you so can you address those little pesky things without harming yourself or your kids your loved ones that's orange guard uh, dot com. So we were talking about toxic poisons, and I mentioned that 
because pesticide residues, they argue, well, it's only there at parts per million. And I'm thinking what I know about, uh, you know, biochemistry, if you measure things in the body, enzymes, hormones, you're talking about things that exist in the body at parts per billion, parts per 100 billion and beyond. You're like parts per million of toxic synthetics. That's actually a lot of stuff when you get down to the level Mm -hmm. which the cell actually works. And I'm thinking, how are they so ignorant in medicine where they say, we're the scientists? We know. And you're like, how did you miss that? But your point about what they teach you about toxicology is like gross toxic poisoning as opposed to subtle toxic uh, accumulation. And that's a big failure of allopathic medicine. Totally, totally. And and you bringing up pesticides, there's certain pesticides that the half-life is like decades. You know, these things can be chilling in your body for a very, very long time. Um, and, you know, one thing I've in my own studies of how toxins work, too, is that if the body can't eliminate them properly, let's say you're, you know, you're constipated all the time or uh, you don't have enough good stuff in your liver, mm-hmm. then the body has an amazing way of storing the toxins. And so uh, this is also something that I've learned from Lauren Lockman. We were talking about him during the break. Um he's been able to fast people. He's, you know, he's, he's had thousands of people go to his facility and they fast for prolonged periods. And what's interesting is they hit a certain time frame. I think it might be like seven or eight days mm-hmm. where, you know, if they've had a history of substance abuse, let's say cocaine, for instance, they will have that cocaine high. Mm-hmm. And his philosophy is that there was some dried fecal matter with those toxins or the toxins were in the tissues and they're finally being liberated mm-hmm. and they get that cocaine high again. And now that's just with substances, but you could imagine like, what about heavy metals? What yeah. about certain pesticides? Right. They're stored. And exactly. They're stored, yeah. Right. Exactly. And the, the over time, the breakdown of metabolic integrity, the ability to adapt for survival in that, those cases, and, and it weakens over time if you don't know what to do to correct it. And that's where you say these people that said, well, I've been eating this way my whole life and I'm fine. And then suddenly they, they hit the wall and you're like, you can no longer maintain that, you know, hey, protect us and your cells. Do, yeah. Yeah. So that's the part of the process, again, of modern medicine. God bless them for trying. But I was hospitalized with constipation as a kid. Talk about constipation. How bad is it that a kid has to be hospitalized is so bad? Uh, and my dad worked for the CB fleet pharmaceutical company. So we got some discounts on some things, but <laughs> the, the, what they made the fleet enemas. But the point is, how did I get in that horrible situation? And I was one of the first generations canary in the coal mine that saw where it was going for the later generations. Now being born into chronicity and not having uh, an idea of it because we all went to doctors. And I say, all oh, most of us did in the, in the Western world in, in America. And, and I had to break free of that in order to, get well, stay well, and have this show for another 23rd year broadcasting about this. And I just, again, I'm so excited every time I meet someone like yourself that goes, yep, that's, that's exactly right. That's what we're doing. It's that's the proverbial. It's not rocket science. It's basic common sense. As I talk to kids, Hey kids, you're sick. Well, yeah, I wouldn't feel good. How about I give you some poison? No, why would you do that? I'm like, they get it. Why don't doctors get that? Poisoning people back to health is not really a good strategy. You bring up a great point because uh, one thing that they do a really good job of in medical school and residency is to teach doctors to not use their simple observation skills. So, for instance, um, when I have patients and I'm doing everything that I'm recommended to do and basically none of them are getting better, my observation is that these medications are not working. They might be like slowing down things, 
But at the end of the day, sometimes they're making things worse too. I've seen a lot of people die because of medication side effects and other poisons. And I've seen little kids in the doctor's offices with obvious vaccine injuries, but the pediatrician right away, it's like, it wasn't the vaccine. And when we, when the COVID vaccine was first introduced, it was my very last year of residency. I actually had an attending who uh, would come in with me on a few different cases where he would basically tell the patient to their face, this is not the COVID vaccine. It's something else. But then in private conversation, they intuitively know it. We've, we've gone through their whole entire history and there's no other reason that they should be manifesting these symptoms you know, horrible skin rashes, mental breakdown. You know, I had a lady with a mental breakdown and just all kinds of weird things that nothing else explained it. And they teach doctors to just ignore that simple observation. Yeah. Which is the basis um, for good science and good medicine in reality. Uh, totally. Asking questions of the patient, they used to call it anamnesis. And you actually learned a lot by doing that, taking the time you observe them. And these are the things that don't happen in two minute or three minute medicine sessions where they just then write the prescription for whatever ailment that they identify first and give you 10 others uh, or uh, symptom manifestation. So, uh, yeah, the observation is so critically important. And then what do you do with that? But if you are observant, that's the point. You're going to ask questions and you would be drummed out of medical school or residency. They would not tolerate that. So you have to kind of kind of go under the radar and whisper and hopefully nobody, you know, rats on you for doing so uh, in order to actually help them. So, again, God bless you for surviving that, coming out and uh, do, doing the good work you're doing. I've got a, a couple of questions I didn't get to, questions of the day. Sure. And since you're here, we could have fun with them. Uh, just as a disclaimer, we're not, quote unquote, practicing medicine on the show. We're talking about uh, and educating on questions that are being asked. And so we're going to, in, in a general sense, we don't know specifics about these people. So we can't fully engage in that. But. Uh, it's worthwhile from time to time to talk about these things. So let me see. What was the next question we didn't get to? Marge? Is it Marge? Yeah. Uh, uh, Marge writes in about an, our Marg nodule on the thyroid, how to get rid of a nodule, safe to leave the nodule alone. What are the causes of developing a nodule on the thyroid? Again, we can't be specific to your case, even if it is yours, but in a general sense, when we see nodules on the thyroid are the things that, that come up in a uh, observational way that you've seen. Yeah, you know, I've worked with a lot of people with thyroid issues and ranging from, you know, Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, Graves disease, hyperthyroidism, nodules. It's all this, the cause is the same. The thyroid is toxic. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and our body has a, an amazing way of sequestering toxins in the form of like nodules and tumors. Mm -hmm. And so pretty much anybody I work with that has a thyroid issue. Um, I, I have like a two-step process where we detoxify the thyroid and then we nourish the thyroid. And uh, it's been very, very successful thus far. Mm -hmm. Your point is, is right on the money. I say that because when we look at the growth, the abnormal growth, we'll say, okay, to some degree, like we discussed earlier about toxicological burdens, the body has to deal with it. If things are gravitating toward the thyroid due to receptors, you know, we've talked about the use of the halides, you know, the, the, the chlorines, the fluorides, uh, you know, the different, different things that end up kind of binding or blocking the absorption of things like iodine or even uh, other minerals. We have, a, a, you know, an inability to deliver that which the thyroid needs just specifically. But it's true of any any area of the body where you have an accumulation for whatever reason it happens. It happens. Now we got to how do we encourage the cleanse, the reduction of the burden? 
And that is not an overnight scenario, even though a lot of times in medicine, they talk about instant results because a drug is powerfully stopping something from happening or powerfully forcing something to happen. Nature tends to outside of acute responses when you're healthy, like uh, vomiting, which is an acute asthenic response. When you're in chronicity or chronic disease, you're now dealing with months to years. And now we would argue epigenetics, maybe a lifetime or two of accumulations that are occurring. And so working people out of that is also not conducive to what modern medicine is designed to do. Come in for a minute or two. I'll give you a script. Get out of here. And, and so we're looking at something different. So even for Marg asking or Marge asking this question in correcting the thyroid. Yeah, things can happen rapidly in some cases. But think about how long you've been doing certain things that may have contributed to it. It doesn't necessarily take that long to get out of it. But consider that if you think it's going to disappear in a day and unfortunately, uh, the allopaths are all too willing to go in and radiate or cut out the whole thyroid when they see this. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I've, I've done endocrinology rotations where they ultrasound the thyroid. And if a nodule just happens to be above a certain mark, then it's like instantly they're going to stick a needle in it, mm-hmm. which I can't tell you how many times that causes people way more problems than if they were just to leave it alone and do absolutely nothing. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with a hundred percent with you on that, Robert. And, um, you know, healing it can happen rapidly, mm-hmm. but, uh, more often than not, it does take a little bit of time. And, you know, I've seen people reverse things within like weeks, but sometimes it takes many months. Sometimes it takes a year or two. I, I and, think in uh, terms of, of trust, interestingly enough, and I say this on a cellular level, right? The cells know what to do. We in our arrogance or ignorance go, I'm not going to listen to them. Cause I learned from the doctors, if something was screaming out in my body, just squash it like a bug with a drug. <laughs> I, I was like, wait a second. Could it be those cells were communicating to me to say, Hey, you're doing it wrong. Don't put that in here. <laughs> and that was not a consideration until obviously much later. And so when we make these transitions, sometimes the time it takes is sort of like the cells testing you. Are you for real? You're changing your lifestyle. Can I really let go of this defense mechanism now? And I think part of it is that retraining yourselves that, yeah, we're doing it differently now. Now you can let go. And that's also a consciousness issue in terms of when you believe suddenly something radically different, you shift the way you live because your values change. You start recognizing cause and effect. You're like, until that moment, I believe that the pesticides I was consuming, even at parts per million, were actually a big part of my harm that I was suffering. Why would I bother taking the time, energy and expense to eat only organic? I would, I would justify all every excuse in the book until that moment. And when I, when I knew it, it was like, nobody could tell me otherwise. I'm like, it doesn't matter that it costs more. It's inconvenient. If I'm going to live into my forties, fifties, whatever, healthily, much less just live, I'm going to make a different lifestyle happen. And that the cells eventually said, you know what? He's serious. He's no longer putting the garbage in. Let's let it out, let it out, let it out. So that's another layer of the energy. I think of the recovery. Oh, totally. No, the, the trust in the body to perform its natural healing mechanisms is a big factor. So, uh, you know, I know of a gentleman that I've, I've worked with before who was previously diagnosed with a, a, a colon cancer and he had some nodules on his abdomen. And after discussing like, Hey, you know, your body's not a dummy, your body's trying to heal all the time. All these symptoms, all these disease manifestations is just your body healing. And what's interesting is as we work together, these nodules increased in size and eventually went away. And, you know, most people, the increase in size of a nodule 
They'd be like rushing to the doctor to figure out, oh my gosh, you know, what, what's, what's happening to me. But it's almost like that's the way the body was healing. Like they got bigger mm -hmm. initially and then they got smaller and eventually went away. So trusting your body's natural mechanisms, it's designed to heal. You're, uh, we yeah. just have to get out of the way sometimes. You're, you're asking a lot of Americanus, Bubicanus, Medicalis. I mean, the doctors are not taught and teaching us that they're not taught that they're no. not teaching us that you're right. You have to go beyond the training. And, and, and sometimes I was studying these things and I would go back into older medical history books or medical texts, hundred years or older. And they talked about, they knew of this process and principle, you know, in, in, uh, in homeopathy, there's a, a law Herring's law of cure. There's different things that we, we learn about in terms of the movement of, of things, things get, or grandma said, it might get worse before it gets better. Mom used to say that. And yeah, yeah. speaking of mom, my mom wrote about in her book, um, uh, her journey from uh, Israel to America, life of many colors. There was a point in her homeopathic training, not say training, but certainly her transformation, just as I went through where she began eating organically using remedies. And there was something on her back that began to kind of build a, a kind of a little lump that got bigger and bigger, became red and angry and painful. And her friends were going, Oh, you better go to the doctor, get it cut out. It could be cancer. And the homeopathic doctor we worked with said, no, 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 stay the course. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. Something you would never hear from an allopath. And eventually it opened up and hard tissue came out. It was foul smelling, horrible stuff. And I, you know, I joke about it and she, I think she writes about it in the book. I thought a Buick was going to drive out of her back. It was getting really big and ugly, but it, through that process, it was a transformative health moment for her rather than suppressing, rather than cutting out, it allowed the body the time that we don't give it in, in Western medicine to mobilize the defenses it was strengthened to push something out of the body that it could in that case foul things that would have inevitably ended up as cancer and now you know she's 88 still alive not taking drugs so uh, it, it tells me again another validation that we've been off course for a long time in the west not to say there's not a place for modern emergency medicine which is wartime medicine in in, in trauma situations to save people's lives it's legit but outside of that, using warfare medicine for chronic diseases is a disaster. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. And it's funny that you brought up the old medical texts because sometimes I trust those more than what is available mm -hmm. today, right? The newest yeah. and latest stuff. If, for instance, um, you know, you probably heard of turpentine, but it, it was taken out of the Merck manual once the Flexner report hit. And so before that, though, you look at all these different diseases, and I have a copy of it myself. And it's like turpentine oil is the cure for almost every ailment, or at least one of the cures, right? And uh, because you can't pharmaceuticalize it, it's literally just the essential oil of evergreen trees. Of course, you can't use uh, petroleum to create it, so might as well just get rid of it altogether, right? Mm. So, and it is pretty amazing. Like this, the during the break we were talking about fasting, and this book by Herbert Shelton, "The Science and Fine Arts of Fasting." I think the first copy was like in the 1930s or something like that. And going through some of the old school language, I could just see the wisdom of this practitioner and mm -hmm. his experience helping people to cure themselves through fasting. Right. And it's almost like a different language and it's really powerful. It and potent. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's great to go back to those texts and see that there was some semblance of sanity, even among allopathic doctors, but they've just strayed so far that you have to, again, deprogram to do what you're doing. Dr. Grayson Dart is my guest this hour. 
and uh, I've enjoyed connecting with you for the first time. Of course, we appreciate Andy Kaufman, Tom Cowan. Look, I love engaging in all of these discussions. Honestly, it, it, it strengthens my knowledge base and, and it confirms things that I know. And if something new comes up, I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. This is part of the discussion. This is how we get there. Not in isolation, but by engaging. And, it, and it's so much fun to do so. And even the turpentine issue, of course, we will acknowledge that anything taken to excess become, can become very toxic. You've got to utilize it appropriately. And that's sure. where Hahnemann came up with homeopathy and said, hey, you know what? We can do it non-toxic altogether, taking it down. And now we're seeing that emerge even in some of the allopathic thought forms with microdosing, even some drugs. Mm. Microdosing, you've heard of low-dose naltrexone, things LDN. Oh, yeah. So there are things that involve more is not better, more is toxic. Even utilizing certain toxic substances at low doses can have profound physiological effects that may be beneficial. That's new too, coming back, back to those concepts. <laughs> well, speaking of microdosing, you know, I've, I've looked into some of the literature on like the psychedelic mushroom, right? Mm -hmm. That it's like yeah. when you microdose it, it's better. It's as far as like the little amount of research that we have much better as far as results than an antidepressant comes from nature, right? right. Just right out of the exactly. ground. I mean, it's ubiquitous almost. So that is very interesting. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it too. We've been investigating, seeing some pretty profound things that are occurring at this point. Let me see. Was there another question of the day that we can get to here real quick? Oh, this is funny. This is kind of along the lines of what you're doing with uh, Dr. Andy. Uh, I was wondering, this is from Mila. I was wondering if you have any internships and how one can get started in becoming a naturopath while needing an income to pay the bills, Mila. So Mila, it's an interesting question. I, and I'll broaden it up to any endeavor to learn something and become a skilled at it. I like the idea, of course, I learned homeopathy by working 10 years side by side with a master homeopath, to, you know, the kind of master apprentice relationships, which was part and parcel to how you became a master craftsman or anything, even in medicine, until it became mass education, watered down, controlled, and, and then you would learn basically to how to be programmed as opposed to being an observer, right? Questioner, like you said, Dr. Dart. And, you know, in the case of Mila, who wants to become a naturopath, now there are two schools of, of naturopathy now. The original, what we call traditional naturopath, completely non-drug focused on nutrition and all of that, non-invasive. And there have become now the allopathic naturopaths, the naturopathy schools that have adopted the Flexner Report. And basically it's medical school that in, in the latter years you go toward naturopathy, but they still come out, they can vaccinate, they can prescribe antibiotics, they're licensed. And so Mila, it depends on which way you want to go with that. Um, you know, if you want to go the, the traditional naturopathy route, our friends at uh, Trinity School of Natural Health have made the ability to learn that affordable so you can work while you're getting the education, as opposed to being a total institution coming out with a quarter million or more in debt. Uh, and, and so there are ways to do that. And I think we're going to see more of this idea of internships and apprentice type relationships emerge because that time tested way of teaching people who have gifts or inclinations to be healers, for instance, will manifest their healing gifts better than if we water it down and say, hey, Dr. Dart, don't you be bringing any of those gifts here. We know what you should be doing. And it ain't those gifts. You know what I'm saying? But you're mm -hmm. now learning from someone who says, yes, go there. And then you're doing extraordinary things in the midst of that and have just begun to do those things. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, our goal, uh, Dr. Kaufman and I working together is we would like to create a uh, basically a parallel medical school. Mm -hmm. Because if you I've had a lot of young folks ask me, hey, I want to. I want to go and become a doctor, but I don't want to practice 
what a doctor actually does. Right. And that to me is screaming out, well, don't become that type of a doctor then because you're going to spend, you know, a good, probably about eight years at least of getting brainwashed, yeah. vaccinated. You're going to be hurting people. It's, it's not the path you want to go down. You're going to get in a lot of debt as well. There's a lot of other schools out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's, there's other forms of healing that you can do too. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know much about polarity therapy, but mm-hmm. yeah, acupuncture, yeah. Oh, yeah. homeopathy, there's a lot of different ways to do it, um, without selling your soul. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's a great idea. I mean, even if you could find somebody who needs a little bit of help in some way, and it isn't that you become a doctor overnight, but by observing, and you pointed that out by being around someone who's doing that, you, you'll get a sense of, you know, does this, is this, are you gravitating toward that? You go, Oh no, that doesn't fit me. And there are ways that you might not have to invest $250,000 into figure that out. That's a disaster in my, in my mind that you're, you're, you're trapped by debt. So I think more and more of us will be, you know, ask the question like that. Do you have an internship? If anybody wants to help us on the Robert Scott Bell show to do some of the things Super Don does. Yes. Internships. Yeah, that's great. You will learn skills at the same time. You might have marketable skills in an area. You thought, hey, I could do this. I could make a career out of it somehow. So look at those things. I love the question that she's asking in that regard. Now, uh, let's see. Something weird's going on in California. Well, something weird's always going on in California. Check this out, Dr. Dart. You can imagine this is very important. Uh, Let's see. Is this uh, – let me see if I can find it out. Super Don, do you have that story about COVID tests? Am I missing that somewhere? This is a you know very important story for our pet friends apparently, and I I don't know why I can't find it now. Pets, pets, pets. Where is it? You did it, California, you did it, China. Did I miss it? Los Angeles. Ah, here it is. Okay, sorry about that. There it is. Check this out. The Los Angeles County Health Department is offering free COVID nineteen testing for pets. So gather up Muffy and and Lulu or whatever your dog or cat and get them to L A County because you'll get free COVID tests for your dogs and cats. I'm like. It gets weirder all the time in LA. Unbelievable. No, that's uh, <laughs> just goes to show you the lengths they're willing to go to to mm-hmm. keep people under the spell, right? I mean, the, first of all, the tests are crap. We have a test demic. We don't have a pandemic. They yeah. make up the results, and I, you know, I've talked with technicians in these labs, uh, Grayson. That. They are like, we got a negative, we got another negative, and the hospital really needed a positive. So they had us run it to cycle count thresholds where you can test positive for anything. And so they get well, the positive my, result. My best friend, uh, he finished up his residency not too long ago in California. Mm-hmm. And he was a public health major. And uh, for some of the research he was doing during his residency, he had access to a lot of the records of the county health departments. Mm-hmm. And uh, without going into too much detail, the way that they can manipulate those tests is unbelievable to mm-hmm. get the numbers that they are they looking don't. for, yeah. right? You, you it's just, just kind of like electronic. And all of a sudden, boom, yep. you can get whatever number you want. It's like so electronic voting. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Manipulate the results. You got it. Now, uh, California has solved a major problem of uh, 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 racist diseases like monkeypox, apparently. Uh, they are now going to refer to the monkeypox as mpox. No longer monkeypox, oh. mpox, because that solves all the world's problems. Of course, when anybody asks, "Well, what is the mpox?" Oh, you remember monkeypox? Oh, 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 I said that. Oh, yeah. Wow. What are you going to think that is? Mpox. Yes, that's how we solve the real problems of the world: being offended by the name of a disease. I think that just choosing the name monkeypox is going to make it so it can't be a pandemic, right? 
<laughs> yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to have monkeypox. No one wants to have that. Right. Well, and also, uh, you know, think about the the so-called pox issues. I think we we really don't understand what they are, and and probably they are detox pathways being uh, utilized to overcome an imbalance that has occurred. And we've talked about things like measles, chickenpox, and childhood being, uh, you know, whether they're called eruptive disease or whatever, but they're transitional diseases that actually help us to mature the immune system, different functions of the body, like the liver, rather than being something to squash and eliminate, we should encourage them. And yes, we can facilitate safely the worst of those scenarios in people who are weak or imbalanced in that way, but that's never discussed. You bring it up and you're like, you want children to die. It's like, what kind of discussion is that? You know, I, I first learned what you were talking about, Robert, from mm. uh, Rudolf Steiner, that yes. the childhood mm. illnesses, right, are just mm. stepping stones in your spiritual evolution, mm-hmm. even in your physical evolution, too. And to squash that in a child, yeah. just think about, uh, you know, if, if they can't level up to a new playing field physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever, mm. how much you're stifling the growth of that child, right? Suppression, suppression, suppression leads to what? More dis-ease, more dysfunction. We're not about that. Neither is Dr. Grayson Dart. Thank you for being on board. We'd love to have you back after your fast or anytime. Just stay in touch because you're doing awesome work. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Robert. It was very nice to visit with you today. All right. God bless you, sir. And God bless all y'all for being here on the Robert Scabell Show for as little or as much time as you can stand. We're going to go to the bonus round next in 60 seconds because the power to heal is yours. All right, bonus round cranks up now. Uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Grayson Dark, he's busy in five minutes, so he's got to go. But uh, I, I could hang out and talk with him forever. It's one of those guys. So let's enjoy the bonus round. You, me, Super D. How about that, Super D? Was that cool or what? Did you enjoy that or were you snooping? It was, yeah. No, he was really good. Yeah. It's like coming out of medical school, I, you know, I've always been concerned because most people never recover. And he was recovering while he was in it. And he hooked up with Dr. Kaufman. And uh, is doing, I think, tremendous work. And that's where, you know, say the future of medicine can be integrative, can work with all backgrounds and fields, and we can cooperate and see people get well. So I'm thrilled about that. Very nice. Yeah, what do you got? You got the cool. dog running around? He was cool. Anyway. Okay. What, what is going on? Dogs got you distracted? Oh, yeah, I got dog stuff going on here. All right. Anywho. Bonus round. We're in the bonus yes. round. We made it through the show. I'm still awake. I'm still upright. Stand. I'm still standing. I got to do a lot of recording today after the show, so I got to steal myself for a lot more. This um, is true. Yeah. This is There's true. A lot going All right. On. So let's uh, let's catch up on a few things here. Okay. Uh. Poll of the day. Oh, poll question that of the went day. Out, was uh, with the newsletter today. Yeah. Had to do with Fauci. Oh, Fauci okay. stepping down. All right. So the question that was asked is, Fauci is stepping down in December. What will improve with him gone? So you had uh, mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five choices here. Choice number one, uh, him stepping down, vaccines won't be pushed as much. Okay, that's one right. option. Mm-hmm. Uh, option number two, the government will be more transparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, option number three, there won't be any more pandemics or lockdowns. <laughs> Uh, option number four, science will be more honest, because he is the science, right? All right. <laughs> uh, and then option number five, nothing really will change. The problem is bigger than one man. Ooh. Yeah, I, I'm going to vote that that 
final response is going to be the the dominant <laughs> predominant response. It was kind of a leading question, but oh, yeah. uh, as it turns out, yes, eighty-eight point seven percent say that nothing's really going to change mm-hmm. with him stepping down. That the problem is bigger than one man. And um, I guess what the coming in uh, second place was vaccines won't be pushed as much. And I, I listen. I appreciate that. We actually got a phone call. I didn't. I wasn't able to grab it. Okay. Uh, but we did get a phone call, and somebody was saying that you know things were going to improve, not only medically but spiritually in the world if mm-hmm. he steps down. And it's like I, I try and be like like practical about the situation. That was the whole reason this morning, because you know when I saw the news break that oh he's announced that he's going to step down, he's going. Mm-hmm. But you know if you read the details, he's not retiring. It's not like he's going to ride off into the sunset, and it's, he's still going to be doing something. And I have a feeling we'll still be hearing from him. Um, I think he's he's too big to, to what do they say? Too big to fail. Yeah. Um, as far as government goes, mm-hmm. and his ego's too big to fail, and so I'm sure he's still going. He's he's going to be active in something, but he won't be the head of the NIH, and he won't be the top advisor, COVID advisor, or, or medical advisor, or scientific advisor, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to the White House. Uh, and so, you know, the way I look at it, uh, when he leaves, nothing's going to change, other than the fact that we won't see him probably on TV as much. Which maybe I that's, I mean, you know, I guess that's, a, that's one th- good thing. We don't have to look at him as much, and mm-hmm. we probably won't be talking about him as much as we have because he's been in the limelight. But other than that, you know, is the way I look at Fauci, even though I know we don't like him, yeah. he was just a talking head for the most part, really. Hey, hey, you know what? Here's another reason to pay taxes you don't owe. Fauci's going to collect 350000 a year until he dies from the government, no. from you. Well, at least that's less than what the president uh, is making, finally, right? You know, imagine t- retiring on 350 Gs a year no. after you've poisoned and killed so many. Right. You're rewarded with that? That's where people say, like I said earlier in the day, uh, there's no justice. There's no justice. And I say, yeah, on a spiritual level there is, but sometimes on this physical plane, we don't see it happen. I don't think we can all get it done in yeah, one. Yeah, well, yeah. you know what they say, what goes around comes yeah. around. And so you just have to leave it at that and uh, just move on. Mm-hmm. It'll be what it's going to be. Yeah. But what he won't be is the head of the NIH anymore. So, you know, uh, do you think that uh, they're going to replace him with something, somebody who's going to be honest and, and mm-hmm. forthright? No, and, anybody that can and, be controlled like he was or be controlling in that way. Uh, think about when we said um, New York Governor Cuomo. Who could be? I could never find a worse governor than that. And then Hochul comes along. I'm like, right. I'm not counting on good things from the NIAID or the head of it any more than CDC. As I said, they, they, these organizations should be disbanded, not reorganized. They should be disbanded. And then everybody would be much better uh, for it. But, you know, I guess we got to keep playing these games and uh, people will die as long as they believe in these uh, authoritarian institutions that have no actual authority except that which we pretend to give it. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking on, at our website right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Is it just me, or did the live chat button suddenly shrink over the oh, weekend? I saw that, too, when I got on today. Does it look that way to you? Yeah, it does. It looks Okay, smaller. so it's not just me. Yeah. It's just That's the weirdest thing. I didn't do anything. I didn't change yeah. anything, and suddenly Maybe the live it, chat button is like, 
Little tiny little. Did you uh, super don over the weekend? Did you inadvertently throw the website in cold water? I did not. I did not. I did not. I'm trying to find an explanation. No. <laughs> Don't know what happened. No. Okay. So I've got. I'll, I apologize, you guys, if you're like looking at that and going, "What the hell?" Mm -hmm. I'll see if I can fix it. I have no idea why that happened. That's weird. Hmm. Very strange. At least it's still clickable. But yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. Yeah. So what? They see if we any any reaction here. Mm -hmm. Um, to the Fauci thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, Leslie says those were the funniest options ever. She picked the last one. Okay. Uh, yes, it was totally sarcastic, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Leslie also says he should be the head of the gates of hell. He'll do well <laughs> in that position. He and Bill. I Gates. don't know. Would you want him in charge of those gates? Who who would he uh, 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 like turn around and send the other way? The people maybe that should be going there, hmm. but but he won't. You know, I don't know. You're right. I, uh, he you needs know. to be in the gates, not not yeah. in charge of the gates. Right, right. Um, let's see. Strap him to the. He gate. was and wasn't a talking head. Yeah, that's true. I mean, listen, it depends on what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he wasn't a talking head when it came to the decisions that were being made and when he was as the head of the NIH and studies that were done and things like that. That's true. That's a good point. Um, but, but I would say over the last two years, he pretty much was because, you know, it wasn't like he was making decisions for the FDA or the CDC. He was just out there to promote the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And that's why they, they put him out there and to, you know, give his, his, you know, his opinion on stuff. But as far as like the pandemic goes and stuff like that, you know, when he was, he was working with, with Trump, you know, Trump was doing the, you know, not going along, you know, with what he said. And they had differences of opinion mm -hmm. and stuff. And he was very behind the scenes, especially. But, you know, even otherwise, he was he was very vocal about it. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, uh, Bolton says, good point. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of BS. Leslie says he did a lot of BS studies on his own accord for money. Yes, he did. And going back all the way to AIDS and, and AZT and stuff. Uh, let's see here. Hopefully Fauci's hopefully Fauci's lifetime retirement pension won't last long. Well, if you're well, still a taxpayer, yeah, you don't want your money used for him. I know. Jay chose the nothing really option. He says Fauci is just a puppet. He will be replaced by someone who could be even more worse. Uh oh, you can't say more. Uh oh, worse. yeah, we're gonna get in trouble or, uh, or yeah. even worse than him. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. One of the stories we didn't get to for our neighbors in the north in Canada, digital ID. I mean, we don't have any subtlety to uh, what their prime minister is doing in terms of the World Economic Forum kind of uh, propaganda machine. And they, of course, want digital IDs everywhere. And uh, I think they're pushing it heavily in Canada right now. According to a recent report released... By the Canadian government, those in charge want to make it easier for Canadians to interact with the government of Canada. For this to occur, though, modern integrated systems, you can't just show up and talk to us. We need you to be digitally connected. So we want digital IDs. So their argument is that we will be a better, more responsive government for you in Canada, the people of Canada, if we just get digital IDs like the elites in Davos want us to do. And uh, the, the white paper from the WEF says digital IDs will turbocharge the digital future. They love that China's using it, biometric technologies. It's transformed consumer habits and delivered to tangible benefits for the Chinese citizens. Like 
never mind the lockdowns and the shutdowns and they, you know, freeze your bank accounts. So your money's no good here because uh, you have been locked out and it's all digital. Mm-hmm. So uh, Canada looks to be closer than the United States. But don't think for a second that Democrats, globalists and maybe some Republicans are secretly you know, forwarding this and, and are happy about it. I mean, we've had to do battle in, in Western states, including those red states that are Republican dominated, that they think, oh, man, digital IDs are awesome. Seriously. How many states have impl- implemented real ID all the way around? There's still a few holdouts. Question is, do you see how one leads to the other? I've been talking about this for a few years now. Um, but digital IDs associated with social credit systems and that means that if they find out your behavior is not the way they like it and want it to be, they will shut you down from your ability to interact with the world. Driving in a car, getting on a bus, a plane, a train, whatever it is. And they don't see this in Canada. I know some people do, but the Canadian uh, elites are lo- all in line with WF and find out, as I've said, what is a litmus test if you still vote? Find out where they stand. Are they associated at all with the World Economic Forum? I mean, there are other things to consider, too, but that's a big one. Because they're not for America. They're not for Canada when they are in that. And the U.N. has now recruited over 100,000 digital first responders. Oh, yeah. What is that? The United Nations is now. (laughs) Well, they did. Basically, they they did recruit them. Uh, At the the height of the pandemic, the U.N. uh, recruited over 100,000 digital responders to push the establishment narrative on Mm -hmm. COVID via social media. So they were were social media slacktivists. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, basically uh, under the employee of the United Nations to try and convince people and sway people's opinion on social media. Yeah, they had. doesn't recruited. surprise me. It actually explains a lot. It does, doesn't it? It's like, where was you all know? this coming from? What is this crap? Yeah, I mean, it was all over the place. Uh, and it's so now we know it was coming yeah. from the United Nations. Yeah, astroturfing. Now here's something. Going from, from the United Nations to China. Mm-hmm. Did you see this here? that I know how much you love the PCR test. What is it? Apparently in China. They're testing hippos? They're testing hippos. Okay. That's a brave guy to to test a a hippo uh, with one of those giant swabs. But how about a fish? Let's let's swab. (laughs) Let's swab a fish with a Q-tip. This fish right here had the right idea, though. Yeah, he closed his mouth. They're I'm like, they're like, anger. hey, fish, we, we'd like to test you for COVID. No. That How about crabs? fish crabs. They're testing crabs. Why? They're doing PCR tests. <laughs> so they're running PCR tests as so though we should be afraid of everything on the planet. Again, this Apparently is so. Nonsense. That's what Chinese they're doing in China. Nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. Hippo fish and crabs get PCR tested. Okay. It's crap for everybody, y'all, including those animals. Keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't participate, please. All right, so I think that's everything that we had on the list there. Okay. You didn't, you didn't want to leave anything behind. Well, I thought we had an opportunity today. I love the, the monkeypox story, though. Mpox. Yeah, Mpox. Didn't you think that was great? Like, what does Mpox stand for? And then they say monkeypox. Yeah, like, I mean, it's oh, just man. Like, if you're going to change the name, change the name. Don't just, yeah. like, abbreviate it, Mpox. Sheeppox. Or MPX. Or they, they might do call it MPX as well. But again, what does that stand for? It's an acronym. Right, MPX. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, it's like what? What? I don't know. Anyway, that. But it's California, so yeah, we shouldn't be too surprised. Okay, I thought it was a good show today. Went by fast, didn't it? 
It did indeed. Uh, I think for it was me, quick. it did anyway. Oh, you and me both. I think it went pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank you for bearing with my semi-tiredness, I guess. I, I, I'm, you know, gearing up this week. We have that big hike up to 12,000 feet plus. And I'm going to see if I can make it to the top with a bunch of seniors. I was so, joking yeah, let's one, talk about that. I because... was joking with one of the people at the gym today. I said, hey, you want to climb to the top of this mountain? I'm going to be taking a bunch of seniors up in their walkers. And <laughs> 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 she was like, okay. what? And I, I had her going. And I was like, no, 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 seniors in high school. But uh, we'll see what we do and how we do. I'm, I'm concerned because our buddy Charlie and, and his girlfriend Mimi, they, were, they hiked it one day last week or so or two weeks ago. And they were camping out at the time, and they went down to their base camp and promptly after the hike went to sleep for 11 hours in a tent. That makes me a little nervous about the intensity of that hike. Interesting. So we'll see. See what happens there. That's Wednesday. So Wednesday will be an encore show or pre-record. I don't know what's going to happen, but we are live. That's the plan, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday this week. I don't know what we got. Do we have anything on the calendar that I should know about? We have a bunch here, and and I I will as usual I will just apologize in advance because some of these we these were booked by uh, Kevin, and mm-hmm. we do not have all the information. We have uh, tomorrow Rose Marshall in hour one, mm-hmm. uh, in hour two we'll have Diane Miller, yeah, we have not had on in a while, right? Uh, the National Health Freedom Coalition, Coalition, and right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so then on Wednesday you're going to be climbing a mountain, yes. So tomorrow or on on Wednesday we will be doing a an encore, mm-hmm. so that you can climb a mountain. Yes, mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thursday we should have Jonathan E. Morton. Hour one and hour two we will have Dan McDunn. Okay, he's uh, the CEO of McDonald's. And what? We'll bring some uh, McDonald's. Ma- no. no, I don't know. I'm not sure who Dan McDunn is, but I, I look. He's going to be a good guest at this point. I don't we, question it. He's batting a thousand. All the guests. I so. don't question it. Uh, Lauren Ameling from uh, Trinity School of Natural Health will be with us on Friday. Excellent. Then we have our and AMA. Our AMA is on Saturday. That feels yeah. like a blink and Which, here it comes again. By the way, yeah. I figured out how to solve the problem with posting mm-hmm. the uh, AMAs on Patreon because we ran into a problem Yeah. where you know those are for only the Patreon people. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out because I couldn't find a, a hosting service, a video hosting service that would allow me to upload a video right. that nobody else could see. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. You would think it would be like kind of like a normal thing. YouTube, that was an option, but obviously we're not on YouTube uh, officially. And the account that I was using, they kept ha- you know hammering me. I don't want to lose that account. So I did figure it out. We are on Vimeo uh, for yeah. the AMAs now. And okay. so I did get the last one posted yesterday, I think it was. Okay. Um, and that's how, so for those of you that were wondering what happened to the last month's AMA yeah. uh, that are on Patreon, it's there now, so you can go and review that. Okay, great, great. Uh, what but else? That's a, it's a paid service. We had to uh, pony up to make that happen. It is, but, you know, it's like, what are we going to do? You know, yeah. we appreciate the support from you guys, and so, yeah. you know, we uh, want to make sure that we're, so we need some we more can. patron supporters. If you've been considering it, please, please come on board. Uh, yes, there is yeah. room. Yeah, there is room. room for more. Mm-hmm. And it just for those of you that haven't joined Patreon, we don't talk about it a whole lot in any kind of detail. But yeah. there are different levels uh, that you can join. You can you can sign up for as, as little as four ninety nine a month. Um, if you don't want it to come out of your account monthly, like some people say, they just want to say, "How can I just do it?" and it doesn't come out of my mm-hmm. account every month. You can pay annually. Mm-hmm. Um, and you actually get a discount when you do that. 
by joining you get to be a part of the monthly AMAs where we just all hang out on a Saturday or it's usually Saturday or Monday. <coughs> we've me. done we've done some Tuesdays. We've done a Tuesday. Uh, we've yeah, we have on a couple of occasions. Murdoch was able to go to that one. Right. But we just hang out. We have a Zoom call, mm -hmm. and we talk about whatever it is you guys want to talk about. If you want to ask us questions, you want to ask Robert questions, sometimes we ask you guys questions. And, you know, it's it's just a completely 100% organic conversation. Mm -hmm. And it goes in whatever direction it is, and we just hang out, and we talk, and we laugh. Yeah. And we share stories, and we learn from each other. And then at the end of the AMA, we do giveaways. Yeah, lots of prizes. And lots of some stuff. of them are pretty outstanding, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's you know usually giving away hundreds of dollars worth of, of stuff uh, and on every AMA. And in addition to that, when you go on a Patreon, you'll find that there are all of the previous Patreon uh, the all excuse me all the previous AMAs are on there. Mm -hmm. There's uh, downloadable chapters of Robert's book. There a while back, I uploaded a, a seminar that you did with John Rappaport mm -hmm. called Vaccines Armed and Dangerous from years ago yeah. that isn't available anywhere. Um, and it's like 11 episodes, and it's you and John going through the history of vaccines and vaccination and, and the, the controversy surrounding it. Um, and so that's available to you there. There's a, other interviews that you've done. So, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. And we're talking, actually, about doing more stuff. Yeah, we're just trying to figure out what that is. There is one video I think that you were talking about doing where somebody had asked you, "What is your daily routine?" Yeah, you know, as far as you get up in the morning and what does he do? What supplements do you take? What do you, right. you know? What do you do and stuff like that? And so you were talking about recording that video and mm -hmm. putting that up on Patreon for Patreon members. Yeah, exactly. That'd be yeah. cool. But now that we have a place to put it, that won't necessarily, hopefully, get banned. Right. YouTube is like on. Your personal account, Super Don, is like right I on know. the edge. I know, so I'm not doing anything with that. But if you would like to become a patron on our mm -hmm. Patreon uh, support system, you can just click on the banner over on robertscoutbell.com. It's over on the right-hand side. It's just Patreon. Mm -hmm. You can click on it there, and we do appreciate it. It goes a long way to cover things like this, like yeah. ne you know, needing to pay for video hosting because YouTube sucks. <laughs> you <laughs> know? That is a way to say it. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So that's my spiel. All right. And so we know what's going on this week. And Grayson says, uh, thank you very much for the interview. Sorry I had to run, but we'll stay in touch. Good. Yeah. I liked him. I'd like fun. to get him back on again. Great guy. Really like him a yeah. lot. Yeah. He was terrific. All right. So what's in the chat room? Let's see yeah. what we got going on on the tiny little live chat button here. Yeah. Um, AMAs are awesome. Leslie says, how do you like that alliteration? You're the alliteration uh, uh, guy. You like yeah. that? AMAs are awesome? I don't mind it at all. That's a good one. It is. Bolden should host on Wednesday? Oh, good luck. We can't even get him to show up in the he, bonus He won't round. even show up just to be on the show except for like once a year. I read something, uh, Michael, if he's still there. <clears throat> they're, they're thinking of having to get out of the downtown L.A. area finally, and it's primarily, they say, because of uh, – there are fires going on all the time, so they have to keep their windows closed. That's miserable. Smoking, you know, smoky fires that are not like forest fires. I mean, other street fires and stuff. So let us know if we can help you if you need a home. <clears throat> you always got a home with us, Michael. Well, let's see. What else? Trying to find those Skepduck treats out of <coughs> treats, tweets out of Australia. You listen to your voice? <clears throat> yeah, that's not good because I got to record more. It's just getting hacky. 
Where is it? It was about Sunday's show. Hmm. I don't know where they went. Maybe he deleted them. All right. So, uh, okay. So real quick here, and then yeah. I think we'll run because you got to do some recording. I already showed the. Uh, did I, I already showed the um, the pictures from Stephanie Hayes, right? And her daughter and the garden with the orange guard. Yes, I think you did. Okay. But you didn't show yours or mine. Let me show you mine real quick. I'll yeah. show you mine if you. Show uh -huh. All right. So, I only took one picture, and this is the one that I'm enjoying very much here because. I've got tomatoes finally turning red. How? What's I've, the size of those tomatoes that we're looking at? Uh, they're like a handful. Nice. Yeah, you you, you can palm it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm excited about that because that means I'm going to be able to harvest a tomato or two here. Yeah. The rest of them are all green, as you can see around it there, and mm -hmm. there's tons throughout the whole plant. Right. But um, those are the ones that are turning red, and so I'm going to be eating some tomatoes later on in the week. I'm okay. excited about that. Excellent. Looks great. Let's see what we got. I, I went out All this right. morning. Let me get your pictures up here. Hold on. Let's see here. We're going to do desktop there and Skype. And oh, it's sideways. Hold on. Yeah. Boom. There we go. All right. Go All full right. screen. So what do we got here? Hold on. Let me go full screen. Yeah. Oh, you left mine. You didn't want mine full screen. Sorry. Jeez. Okay. Uh, oh, those are raspberries from this morning. I've been just going out there and just eating raspberries galore. It's the ones lovely. that never make it to the house? Yeah. No, the raspberries yeah. and blackberries, they tend not to make it to the house. I don't know what it is. It's like a rule now. I just eat them right Did off. Did you see the picture I sent you of the ones that I got from the farmer's market? Oh, yeah. Those were gorgeous. They're huge, yeah. dude. I like, yeah. Some of them are, they aren't that big. The place we were at when we first got out here was like that, coming out of the backyard. We're trying to yeah. navigate to make that happen again, but awesome. There's one of the, the bell peppers turning red or orange, yep. as you see there. Yep. That's when we start harvesting them. Broccoli, that's upside down, but my broccoli is showing. And I think I have another one. <laughs> there it is. There you it, go, right side and it, up. And it doesn't look big, but it actually is big. It's like the see, size of a But here's the thing. You're, the one you've got there looks like yeah. it's about to do the same thing that mine did. Mm -hmm. Because I had a broccoli, and I was like, yay, broccoli! Yeah. And instead of being like a head of broccoli, yeah, it like took off and turned into like a bunch of little tiny little things like antenna. Yeah, I think yours is going to bolt if that's the case. So you yeah, might want to harvest. Like, what? Do you, why? I want a yeah. head of broccoli. <laughs> I know, but it, it <laughs> I went, can't eat that. You had I space mean, saver broccoli. Uh, mine's getting no, bigger. It's, it's got a thick stock. There's yeah. the some collards. Okay. Doing well. The collards are happy. Cool. Let's see. That's our that's oh, look lettuce. At our green and red leaf lettuce. They're doing. I, we're we're not going to keep up with it. It's kind of, we tried to stagger it, and we're not eating enough lettuce. I've been traveling, so we got to do better. Uh -huh. uh, but if anybody wants some lettuce, we'll ha look at that patch. There's going to be dozens of pounds of carrots when I harvest them after the oh, snow. Cool. Yeah, I'm pulling carrots first. My, my wife says you have to pull them first from the the uh, uh, the, the where's that uh, greenhouse. So we're eating carrots from the greenhouse now. But these are going to be like. Now I realize I could have kept them in the uh, ground. I learned that after the fact when we picked them last year. We didn't get to eat all of them. Some of them went bad first. So I'm going to yeah. now keep them in the ground until we want them and use them. Cool. Yeah. Look at that. The pears. That's a pear tree. A bunch of pears. That's our most prolific pear tree this year. I got one more pear tree that has one pear on it. And uh, the, you know, as I said, the peaches 
and the cherries from the trees did not make it. Apples didn't go this year. We had late freezes, uh, but hopefully next year. And they're still new. They're establishing themselves. We did have two, three cherry, well, one cherry tree and one cherry bush that were not bangs that did well on the other side of the house. Um, but uh, there you go. The pears are great. Cool. Is that all of them? That's it. Okay, cool. Love doing that. So Steven says, thanks for restoring the V-Science Bytes link on the RSB homepage, though the first hour episodes have 404 link errors. Yep, that's the reason why I guess I, initially, I just had forgotten that I initially took it down. I haven't had a chance to, to fix that situation yet, but all the rest of them are up there. Okay, well, is there a way to fix those errors or no? I think so. Okay, I don't know. Sometimes I haven't, the haven't, haven't looked into it. I need to try. I need to, yeah, I just need to find out why it's doing that. Okay. So, so send us your garden picks. Send us your orange TK. No, orange orange guard picks. Uh, sign up for uh, uh, be a customer of uh, Nutritional Frontiers, CBDNF.com. And you, uh, if you're in the United States and you sign up and let them know you found them through the Robert Scott Bell Show, they will uh, send you a gift bag of goodies. You can try, take a picture of those goodies and samples and send the picture into Super Don. Ask RSB at gmail.com. Some of you have not done that. No. Come on. And then we'll add it to the list here, the, the picture of collage, and then we'll do another giveaway soon. But you can always use RSB15, the discount code, for all the wonderful things Nutritional Frontiers does does have. So, Yes, sir. Yeah, so thank you for supporting our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, Jamie Dorley and the gang. I'm going to be doing another one of their wellness weeks online. They, they always have me do an interview of some kind. So I'll let you know when that's going to happen as well. So now I shall rest my voice for a little bit, take a break, and come back and start recording a lot. Mike okay. Adams has requested. So Sounds good. Next. Sounds good. So we will be back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No, Rose Lori, there's not, there's not a partridge in the tree. That's a, uh, I was a rubber you know, that's snake. so funny. I was going to make a joke about that, but then I was yeah. like, that would be corny. But somebody yeah. did it for me, so. Eddie says, birds ate his raspberry and aronia berries. Bad drought in New England this past summer. Look, Eddie, you need to get rubber snakes and drape them in, the, in and around the bushes and trees. <laughs> it makes a difference. I'm able to get all my blackberries and raspberries. And other than the birds of prey, the large hawks will swoop down and pick up the, the rubber snake because they eat them. But once they realize the rubber, they drop them. You know, so you see them move and you're like, how did that rubber snake move? It's usually a, a large bird of prey, but they're not going after your berries. So... That's a way to do that. All That's right. what I've learned. Yeah, I've gotten several emails. You know Sandy Fraser. She's the she's been a, a guest booker for years, and we used to use her. She she did uh, uh, PR for people way back when I was in at TRN. We were on TRN. Mm -hmm. She wants to know if you would like to have Dick Morris on the show. I remember him. Is he still doing stuff? He's still doing stuff, and uh, he. I think I want to say he was like big on. Um, yeah, what what uh, what conservative outlet was he on a lot? I can't remember now. Yeah, years ago, but he's still doing his thing, and he's coming out with a book, uh, "The Return Trump's Big Twenty Twenty Four Comeback." So this would be a political, uh, uh, you know, interview. Okay. Um, he's what what, what do you say, producer, Super Don? Should we do it? I, you know what? It's up to you. I mean, do people want to talk, talk? I know, I know, we do talk politics on Thursday. Yeah. I know we try not to talk about it too much because that's not really what, you know, people, but, you know, if you guys know who Dick Morris is, you know, he's been a pundit for ever. Wasn't he a consultant or something to Clinton? 
Bill Clinton? Something first? like that. I'd have to go back and then and he look. went after. Then he went against the Clintons. He's yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Should I interview Dick Morris? I'm asking y'all out there. Send us your (laughs) your uh, input. I look. I can have fun interviewing Dick Morris. I think it would be. I'll ask him things he's probably never been asked. So we'll see what happens. But but if you say no way, Jose, I don't. Not interested. She's really, really, really trying to get me to to book him. So um, I can, if if it's something you'd be interested in. I'll throw Look, it at I'm, inco- I'm inclined him. to say yes. I mean, uh, we've watched him as a pundit for years, and I've never mm-hmm. gotten a crack at it. He, you know, he, we were I mean, annoyed with him every time. You know, it was Ron Paul time, and I don't. Yeah, think he's right, but I mean, he's. Yeah, I don't know. He's kind he's of, an yeah. establishment mouthpiece for now the Republicans, but he's um, he's a true believer. But mm-hmm. um, that doesn't mean that he hasn't been right in the past, and he doesn't have good things to say. So mm-hmm. apparently, the, his focus right now. Uh-huh. Is uh, let's see here. The return of Trump. Are, Democrats are giving up on replacing Trump in 2024 uh, GOP primary, and instead are focusing on using the legal system to preclude him from seeking another term in office. So that would be the yeah. topic. Well, and we've been covering that with uh, Emord, yeah. so that's fine. All right, so let's see what people are saying here, real quick. Nikki says yes, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Yes, do it. That's one encouraging word okay all right boy look at this look at everything you can't go yet um why not because some people are pointing out some things here so let me look what gretel sent Mm -hmm. in some pictures she said or a picture Mm -hmm. so let's take a look at what gretel sent okay because i don't want to leave anybody out here whoops wrong wrong one all right desktop window gretel's garden Mm -hmm. gretel sent in a picture of oh look at those maters tomatoes and she threw in uh, a little bottle there for reference so you know size reference wow those are nice that's a a bottle of the uh glucose sugar sugar yeah yeah Yeah. so that uh that is from gretel those are huge yeah that's amazing okay so now let me go back here and pat says she emailed something let's see what pat emailed okay and then we'll go all right, hold on. Let's see. Pat. And. Oh. <laughs> what is this? Okay. All right. This what was worth got? waiting for. Right. Uh, Pat sent in a picture. Okay. That would be Pat and her husband. Oh, that's cute. What is that? It's so adorable. They're Oh, they're toasting and drinking <laughs> orange guard. Oh, that is too funny. Oh, oh man. Look at that. That's awesome. You guys. I didn't. It never intended for this to be a thing. This is not like an ice bucket challenge. Drink Orange Guard. That's not what I did. That's not why I did. That oh, is yeah. super, super cool. Um, good definitely, job, guys. Appreciate definitely you. entered into the giveaway. Extra points. So yes, you are yeah. now entered into the contest. Yeah. Uh, which I'm gonna wait and see if we can get a few more people to send them in. We'll definitely make it worth uh, the the effort of taking a picture yeah. and sending it to us. Yeah. Um. But that boy, that's that's a hard one to beat right there. That yeah. was a good one. Christy good job, says, Pat. Christy says, please interview Dick Morris. Uh, Leslie says, interview who you want. I will or will not tune in based on what they have to say. Well, how are you going to know what they say unless you tune in? That's true. Or not tune in. Well, maybe you know, like listen to the first couple minutes and then okay. decide. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. DJ Katie says, agree, Leslie. It's RSB show. It might be interesting. Look, if it's not going to be interesting, I won't do it. Or if I'm, if I'm halfway through it, I'm like, this is boring as hell. I'm going to go, thank you, Dick Morris. we got to go. 
Yeah. But if he brings it, I mean, there could be some interesting discussions. I'll ask him questions he would All not right. get anywhere well, else. Well, let's just do it. Might as yeah. well. Like I okay. said, he's got some street cred. I will, I will give him Leslie's that. Leslie's teasing. Um, Never tease, Leslie. I take you very seriously. When I can't. You can te- I, I fall for it every time. Okay. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Back uh, tomorrow with... Fine dining um, with the lemonade. People. <laughs> yeah. People's. And people. um, until then, have yourself a wonderful day. All right, later, staters. Less than 22 hours from now, God willing, we'll be back with you.